0: This is Jalen for Dobbs, where tire buying is easy. At go dot dobbscom shop brands, sizes, pricing, and our amazing deals. With 40 plus locations, get same day install. For tires, it's Dobbs.
1: For deals you can use, click on go now. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve.
2: It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this.
3: Adidas.
1: Time now for the BK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: Ball headed for that
1: gap. That's well hit. At the track. At the wall. That one's gone. Cardinals strike for two in the first. There's a bullet to left. That's over the head of the left fielder and a line drive home run. That was scorched. Asking you shall receive. It's a 6-3 to game. The second homer for the Cardinals tonight. Mammoth home run. That was a big league at bat. A J-bomb for Jordan Walker. 430 feet
4: into the second deck and left. And the Rangers... Have won five in a row, their
0: longest winning streak of the season. Eight straight here, and they've locked up another series win with a six-four win.
5: Oh boy, another day, another loss for the St. Louis Cardinals. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. Cardinals now 12 games below 500. One of the worst loss, or one of the worst starts to a season. Really, one of the worst losses as well uh, in the season since 1961 cardinals have started a season worse than this through 62 games alex twice in the last 60 years those seasons came in 1978 and 1980 in which they started the year 23 and 39 so things not going well here in but st louis they probably how is it-
3: turned it around how is it possible that they lost when they hit four home runs last night
5: Good question, Alex. I'm not totally sure. I think it was three home runs, but close nonetheless. <laughs> Scored four runs on those three oh, home runs. I thought it was <laughs> four. They, those two seasons, at, T-Bone, you asked how they finished those yeah, years? They probably turned it around. They won 69 and 74 games, and they had three different managers in both seasons. Wow. You may ask, how does that yeah, happen, three? BK? In I'm in not one totally season? sure. Uh, for all of our fans out there that were around in 1978 and 1980, I'm sure you've got some memories go ahead, of those teams. Go ahead and text us in if you know what texting is.
3: Alex. 74 wins might win the NL Central this year, though. Maybe. So. Let's go Cardinals.
5: <laughs> oh. It feels like World Ugh <laughs> 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 Feels like we're watching the same games on repeat right now. Now the scores change. Some of the specifics on how they get there changes. Sometimes guys fall backwards catching a ball in center
3: field. Sometimes guys, guys, sometimes they try
5: doing a behind the back pass to second base. Sometimes Something
3: new every night guys trip over third base when they're trying to round and then say, no, I want to go back to third base and then get tagged and then yeah. the inning.
5: again. The specifics change, but really yeah. <laughs> the end result remains the same. It's all April. I thought there was one moment last night that stood out. It was on Jordan Walker's home run. If you have not gone back and rewatched that home run, I think you should. And I'm not talking about it because of his swing mechanics, the launch angle, nothing about that. Watch the reaction from the dugout. Go about 20 seconds into the video. They show a shot of the dugout and you'll see there's one man banging on the wall. It's of course, Andrew Kisner, the captain. Every other person looks dead inside of that dugout. They are lifeless. And if you remember, that was when the Cardinals got the score to 6-4. to four. It was in the sixth inning. And it feels like, okay, it, for your typical team, maybe a rally starts right here. The Rangers have a bad bullpen. You've been able to get to them. Maybe this is where you're able to mount a little bit of a comeback. At that moment, I knew they weren't coming back because they had no life about them. It felt as if they were already defeated. Yeah, they hit a home run there. Didn't matter if they hit four more home runs. They were losing that game last night. They had zero energy. Their body language was awful. That was when I knew for myself, yeah, there's zero chance they're coming back from that game. And I think it signified deeper issues within this team right now. I don't know who you point to. If you want to point to the manager, cool, point to the manager. You want to point to the pitching coach, the hitting coach, the bullpen coach, point to whoever you want to. We could point to the players as well. They have some deep-seated issues right now with the team, and I don't think that's something that you can fix by one call up here, one trade there. There's some problems with this organization
3: right now. No, yeah, this isn't a make a trade and fix this. This is a we've got to figure out what the hell is going on with this team overall. And... I mean, we've talked all season about it, but the parallels are just starting to get ridiculous between these two teams, the Cardinals and the Blues. I feel like I'm just watching the same season just carried over into baseball with the Blues. You talked all season about a Blues team that just couldn't do the the right things well enough to win games. Things would start to snowball. And then when even things felt that they were good. It was lifeless. You had nobody. It was dead on the bench. You had nobody sticking up for each other. Different scenario with baseball. But that home run, I didn't see it the way you saw it until you showed us in the office. My first reaction was, yeah, these guys are just mentally fatigued. They know what's going to happen in the game before first pitch. And when you start that, it's it's over for you. It's going to be too difficult to dig yourself out of that hole. Even if you go on a stretch of winning 12 of 14, 12 of 16, The inevitable is coming back to you. Five losses, six losses, seven losses, eight losses. And I, again, I don't like to be the point at one person, but when your team's lifeless, the person in charge of your team is the one that's supposed to build you out
5: of that. Either the leadership or the coach. Alex, I know you, you don't feel this way because you love coming to work every day. You you love seeing our bright and shining faces in the morning. You come in bright. Tanner's voice makes me pretty happy.
3: Yeah. Like no, a, know,
5: I'm like a little puppy every time You've never felt this way before However, I've had jobs in the past where you walk in And you dread it every day You just walk in and you know what the day is going to be like You don't want to see any of your coworkers You don't want to talk to anybody that's around Nailed it You know when my day goes to hell When I walk in and BK's
3: like, "Well, hey guys, how's it <laughs> all going today? Let's talk baseball so let to get into the Cardinals
2: today The Cardinals are going to make a run I looked at their spin rate last night Good stuff Bad uh, luck for the defense
5: Appreciate you guys getting into that. So there's times where you have a job that you just, you know exactly how it's going to go the moment that you walk in and yep. you dread it. Yep. It feels like that's where the Cardinals are at right now. And I I don't know how you fix that. And you
3: can't make it exciting. Like, no. even when you know that it's like, OK, I got to get my energy up because otherwise it's going to leak into everybody else. As soon as it starts, you're like, yeah, we're going to be positive. We're going to get this. And then the first run scores is like you you got to be bleeping kidding me. This again? They take a two-run lead last night. Everybody's pretty hyped up. What happens the next couple
5: of innings? Boom. Tie baseball game. Ah, oh, here we go again. When they went down 5 to 2, no chance they were coming back. Yeah. No chance. That that was when they knew in the dugout. And that's why I think they felt it whenever Jordan Walker hit that home run and nobody really had any sort of like life about well, them in the, the dugout. They they knew. They knew it wasn't going to matter. They can hit a home run here or there. They can go ahead and scratch across a couple of runs. The Rangers are better. The, the team across the way, they looked in the opposing dugout and said, yeah, that team's got us today. We'll go ahead and take this one off the rest of the way. There's no way we're coming back from this. And I, that, that's been the, they've been, they've been right. <laughs> like for the last five straight days, they've looked in the opposing dugout and said, that team is better than the, than us. And I think that's the most concerning thing about what we're witnessing right now is that when they say that, they're right. And John Mozalock was asked on Bally Sports Midwest yesterday about what the problem is. What is the root cause of what we are watching? I thought his answer to this, Alex, was revealing. And I think it's why we are all starting to have the same realization that I think Mo comes to either in this answer or will come to soon
0: if the answer is outside then we're in trouble because you're not going to really be able to do much for at least another month with with regard to the trading deadline and so for us to really get back to to our winning ways has to start from within so maybe the short answer is get healthy and start winning games
5: alex what is the internal answer (laughs) you've tried tried everything. everything You, you called up Matthew Liberator, You called up and then sent down and then called up again Jordan Walker. You've brought up Luke and Baker. You've brought up um, Juan Yepes. You tried having a really nice clubhouse guy and Trey Barrera for a month. And Taylor Mott. You did Taylor Mott. Like, <laughs> who's left? Who do you want to see down in there? There are no more internal answers. The only other possibility is when this outfield gets healthy, maybe then you get a little bit of a bump from Dylan Carlson, who started a rehab assignment last night. Maybe when Lars Newtbar gets back from his back injury, that helps you a little bit. But otherwise, the answers are not internal. They don't have any more possible answers internal. So now you have to look, at, look to the outside. And if that is the case, like Mo said, that's not coming for another month. You're going to die on the vine before then. This this team is going to be out of it by the time that we get to the trade deadline. We're not going to be talking about adding. We're going to be talking about selling off pieces. Well, and
3: that's the thing. If you're not making the trade and there's nothing else you can call up. I mean, you could call up these minor league pitchers and see if they do anything, but it's not going to give you anything else. There's no more offense you could bring up other than little poppy. And that's not going to get because he's not getting playing time. I hate to say it, but the only other step you could do if you want to try and figure this out with a quick fix is to fire the manager. I don't expect them to do that. Maybe they're going maybe all star break. I mean, we've seen it before, but it would really shock me if it happened in a two year span of Olimar Marmol that that happens. But if you're not doing that, you can't make personnel changes and fire a third base coach and expect that to light a fire underneath these guys. This is why I've just come to the conclusion that this is the Cardinals team this year. You, you. You leaned into your D your outfield. You leaned into your pitching staff and you leaned into Wilson Contreras. And as we talked about on Monday, all have failed. And now you've just got to live with it until the end of July to see if there's something out there. You can make a move. Otherwise, you're going into the offseason as a team that is going to have a pretty high draft pick.
2: Yeah. When when you're a team that knows games are done by the time the game starts, then then you're a bad baseball team. and, And that's what the St. Louis Cardinals are. And to your point, the only other move they really have is a coaching staff change, whether it be the manager in Ollie Marmol or be the pitching coach or the hitting coach, which I don't expect those. That's the only other move they've got left. Uh, until then, they've, they've either got to figure it out on the baseball field and figure out how to get back to a winning culture, which doesn't look like one right now. Or they are going to die on the vine, and they are going to become sellers at the deadline. And I kind of expect that. I kind of thought that when they first fell below ten games below 500, then they had that little spurt, like right about the same time Wayno came back. And I felt. Do uh, you it. remember how great it oh, was? Oh, it felt so we good. We were talking about
5: the stories we were going to be set we were going to wow. be telling ourselves at the end of the season. I'd like to correct the week. We, we, we minor were set back for a major for comeback,
2: oh, playoff so clinching open you in October. All. Man, I missed the good old days. Yeah. We now he stinks. Now we
3: stink. we, we should have known when Steven Matz failed for this team That
5: it was going to go down that path Or when they took their $80 million Catcher and said ah, He's an outfielder <laughs> no, now And I then one sweet. day later said oh no we were just kidding He's actually just a DH for no, us have And a then w- a week later said oh no he's our everyday catcher <laughs> We should have known a week into the season When
3: they called out Tyler O'Neal for dogging it on the base paths A week into the season that this was going to be
5: a bad one I actually feel like that aged well I know that well, other no, people aged- disagree with me I I think that aged pretty well I think they knew he was hurt I think he was hurt if, like Pure speculation by me But I think he was hurt at the time And they knew it And he was playing through something And he's been on the injured list basically ever since They might have not known it But
3: the teammates slash base didn't know it And they're wondering why one guy Is getting called out a week into the season For dogging it by a manager where Because I-
5: they've been watching it for yeah. two
3: years yeah. That's why because they know what Tyler O'Neill is. Just not a. It's not a. It's not the start to this fairy tale ending that you're hoping is
5: going to begin for this Cardinals team. Coming up next, alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. The Cardinals just aren't doing the little things right now, and whether you want to say that reflects poorly of the coach, the players, whoever. I'm done fighting any of that at this point. It needs to get fixed. And there was one explanation yesterday from Ollie Marmol that I just flatly reject. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
4: Ezekiel Duran, the 0-2 pitch chopped up the middle and handled by Gorman, but he tries to flip it to De young and it's nowhere near him. So everybody's safe, Garver at second, Duran at first. Gorman managed to get to that ball, but over on the left side of the infield, and in trying to throw it under his other arm, he just had no direction on that and he hammers that one in the air out to right field Walker ranging back it's over his head two runs are in into third Tavares and it's a two-run double the throw gets away here comes Leone
0: and Simeon goes to third so he clears the bases his hitting streak goes to 25 games and the Rangers lead it five
5: to two Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. that audio courtesy of the Texas Rangers TV network. Alex, last night, once again, we saw the Cardinals fail at the little things. And last night it was defensive miscues. Two nights ago, it was defensive miscues along with some base running. It, it feels like it's something new every night. It's not always the same players. It's not always the same issues, but there's always something that arises in the game. We're like, man, like just play a clean nine innings of baseball. And you've got a chance to be able to win these games yesterday. It was basically Nolan Gorman, the weird play where he decides he's going to throw the ball behind his back to try to get a behind the back pass to second base. Uh, That obviously did not work. And then there was a, um, a a ball that he was throwing into Wilson Contreras that went about 10 feet up the third baseline. That was nowhere near home base that ended or home plate that ended up um, scoring an extra run. Boom. There's your two extra runs that ended up determining the outcome of the game right there. I don't understand why this team is bad defensively now, but they are like any number that you want to look at any sort of eye test. Like this team is just not very good defensively. And if it was just the outfield. That would be a little different. It's the infield at times, too. Two nights ago, it was Paul DeYoung and Nolan Arnato that made the defensive miscues. We've seen base running errors from them, from guys that you don't typically expect to see that from. Two nights ago, it was Paul DeYoung trying to steal second in a play where there there's just no reason for it. It's just weird stuff that seems to happen every single night, and it adds up over time, man, where this team is, what, 6-20 and 20 or something like that in one-run games? It, it's it's starting to add up in a way where it's going to collapse their season because of these little things in individual games
3: the only thing i can think of is it's overthinking situations and you brought this up in the office on the defensive side you're thinking i'm going to make i got to make this play cuz if i don't it's going to unravel for us yep. nolan gorman play at second base if i don't make this play even though i know i can't the whole inning's going to blow up and what's he do he tries the backhanded flip because he knows he has to make the play boom there's another error. The running of the bases. Tommy Edmund knows that runs become very minimum for this team. And, of course, Nolan Gorman slips up. Tommy Edmond's thinking, I got to go. And then it's, oh, bleep, I'm stuck. Boom, you're tagged out. Nolan Arenado, I got to make this catch because this inning is not going to be good. Our bullpen has struggled. Boom, game over. It's It seems to be... This goes back to our last segment. The team knows what's coming. They know that it's going to be closer than what it truly is, or it's not going to stay tied long because you evened it up. And they have to make the perfect play Otherwise, it's game over for them. And and frankly, that's just a mindset that results in errors and blunders because you're overthinking situations. Again, the parallels with the blue season, you're thinking, I got to make sure that this puck doesn't go back door. But what did you forget? The dude that has the puck skating to the front of the it's net the turnovers
5: like the the defensive issues for the Cardinals are the equivalent to the yeah. turnovers inside their own zone. for I the I can't Blues.
3: dump this puck in because otherwise I'm going to turn it over. So I'm going to skate it in on my own stick. Boom, turned over, going the other way. When you're overthinking situations, when your backs are against the wall right now, this team isn't thinking, I'm going to fight my way through it. This team is thinking, I can't mess up, otherwise this game's over.
2: Yeah, and and it's obvious when you're watching them, like that Gorman play, and I think Jim Edmonds said this on the broadcast last night, he grips it and looks like he's going to toss it overhand, and then kind of pauses and then goes behind the back, and then it ends up becoming a massive mistake by the St. Louis Cardinals. And and even the play where they throw, I think it was the Gorman throw up the line, and Contreras knocks it down, and then there's just like this miscommunication And a runner scores, and that shouldn't happen. That's not fundamentally sound Cardinals baseball that we've been used to. And you can see there on that play specifically, you saw everybody's shoulders just dip of, oh boy, here we go again. And to your point, I think they do feel like they need to play perfect baseball. And I don't mean just put up a zero in the air column every night because yes, that's what you should be doing. You should be putting up zeros in the air column every night when you look at the scoreboard. But it comes down to those little things that we're talking about. Those base running miscues, which were an issue in April that we talked about multiple times. The missing of the cutoff man sometimes. Just bizarre routes out in the outfield by guys that aren't used to playing out there. Like All these little things start to add up on this team that just can't seem to piece anything together. And this should be the strength of this team. A team that was had a bunch of gold glovers just to years ago, and I understand some of those guys are on the IL, but they should not be as bad defensively and with their base running miscues that we've seen this year, that shouldn't be a problem for them. So yesterday after the
5: game, Katie Wu asked Ollie a question and it was in relation to what we're talking about right now with their fundamental miscues. She said it's uncharacteristic what we're watching right now. Why, why is that? I included the question in this to be able to give you the full context of Ollie's answer because I think it's important Here's what Katie had to ask after the game last night and how Ollie Marmel answered it.
0: But what does it say when that focus is maybe not translating in the game We've seen some uncharacteristic lines of fundamentals? Explain uncharacteristic. As in usually this is a team that it's the cutoff man that backs up plays, that doesn't make a lot of errors on the base pass. Yeah, you have
3: two infielders playing outfield. I'll splay I'll explain uncharacteristic. Nolan Aronetto dropping a ball that's easy for him, Paul DeYoung
5: dropping a pop up right in front of him. So he went on to say that it's the outfielders or the infielders playing in the outfield. That's leading to these issues. Fair. Like there's some truth to that. Jordan Walker is not good defensively right now. It's just the truth. He's, he's really bad out there defensively. And because of the way that he plays, He's playing so deep. There was one hit that dropped last night that probably shouldn't have been a hit. Jim Edmonds mentioned that on the broadcast last night, but he plays really conservatively. So he doesn't make as many mistakes. And that leads to some other issues potentially with him out there. That's fine. Brendan Donovan, Tommy Edmond. They're both trying to play in the outfield right now. I think Tommy Edmond's done a really good job, honestly, all things considered. But he's not an outfielder. Brendan Donovan is a guy that is okay pretty much anywhere that you put him defensively, but there's going to be hits that drop when Brendan Donovan is out there that if Tyler O'Neill or Lars Newtbar were out there, they wouldn't be. Same thing is true for when Alec Burleson is playing in the outfield, or if you have Juan Yepes playing in left field. Like That stuff I understand. That's a, this player should not be asked to be a good defensive player issue. What I can't understand and where I just fully reject what Ollie Marmel said yesterday is what Alex just mentioned. What about when Paul DeYoung's drop and fly balls? What about when there is uncharacteristic mistakes from Nolan Arenado, who threw had an error on Saturday? I believe it was that started to lead towards that comeback from Pittsburgh. And then the other night dropped the pop up as well. What about Nolan Gorman's misplays that he's having at second base? Some of that. Sure. He's just not a very good defensive player, but he's been better this year. And there's been some weird stuff that's popped up lately. That's not because they're playing out of position. That's not because they're rotating guys in and out of the lineup. They've stopped doing that. Those guys have basically started every day in the infield over the last two weeks now. So how do you explain that? That, to me, is what Alex is talking about, where it is they're playing so unbelievably tight that they are terrified of making a mistake and what happens when you're so afraid of making a mistake is that you start making more of them. It starts compounding upon itself. You start saying to yourself, I have to catch this. I have to catch. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. And then you get scared. And then you end up making the mistake that you've been so worried about. And that's where the Cardinals seem to be at every single night right now. And there's no way to fix that until you just get that confidence. And then it becomes a question of, do you get confidence by making those plays? Or do you make those plays? And then they help you make get confidence And right now they're stuck in between whether it's at the plate, whether it's defensively, whether it's base running, they're just all second guessing every single play that they're making in every single game that they're playing right now. And I, I don't think there's a fix, man. Uh, I I wish that I could get up here and tell you like, here's X, Y, and Z that they can do to make things better. And that it is going to get better. I don't think it is I think this is who the Cardinals are. At some point you have to admit who you are and, man, they're 25 and 37. And I think that's reflective of the baseball that they've played this year.
3: Yeah. Unfortunately, I mean, we witnessed lacking confidence in about as perfect of a form as you can ask in 2018, 2019 with the blues. And I mean, just talking to those guys, it is not something that you could just talk about and say like, yeah, we're going to be more confident as a group. It's going to come through your actions on the field And that takes some time. I mean, that season, it took like two months of Craig Peruby before they actually got their feet underneath him. The problem for this Cardinals team is you don't have two months to work with to figure this out because you're going to dig yourself too deep of a hole to climb out of, and on top of that, the pitching doesn't match what you need it to be, or the defense isn't matching what you need it to be. And right now, the offense isn't matching what it needs to be. And when it comes to confidence, I, I mean it starts from the top down and it just seems like it's leaking confidence everywhere from John Mozalek down to Ali Marmol, down to the coaches, down to the players. And that's not an easy, quick fix for this team. No trade is going to resolve that for this team. You can go out there and trade for Shohei Ohtani all you want. Well, I think that might fix it. That might fix it, it actually. <laughs> okay, so that's the only trade that might work. But yeah, that, you can go that out might and be the one for Shane Bieber. They should do that. If they can do that yeah. and not have to pay him in You're the offseason. Right. they'd probably like, trade Paul Goldschmidt, right? That'd be easy to, to,
5: to get done with yeah, that. But per- everybody seems to be in on that.
3: Uh, you, you go out there and trade for a starting pitcher. Yeah, maybe that's ensuing some confidence or instilling some confidence in your group saying, okay, well, they believe in us. The problem is that's not going to happen until the end of July. And, I mean, can we talk about John Moselak's comments yesterday on the pregame show? Because I got a little fired up with him when he was talking about uh, how they can get themselves out of this hole. T-Bone, do we have the audio?
0: boy, if I had to say one thing, it's the inconsistency of the club, right? Like I, I don't want to say it's oh, starting pitching or it's the bullpen or it's our lineup. it's it's on any given night something happens. and and so when you look at at when you're winning, you tend to be very consistent. And a lot of times people talk about like, ah, oh, the cardinal way or or you know, doing the little things right. Right now, we're not doing the little things right on a consistent level. And until we do that, we're not going to win games. Now, we're not far off, but we got to get there.
5: And then he went on to say, like, hey, yeah. if there's going to be a solution, it's probably us getting guys healthy because the the answers have to come internally. There's not anything externally that we're going to be able to add for at least the next month.
3: And that's where my frustration came into play. We're talking about how right now it's inconsistent and consistency is going to get us out of this, and the only thing that's going to do that is health. Well, there's three guys that are on the injured list right now, and, yeah, they might – Solidify defense I think their offense is going to bring consistency to this team Tyler
5: O'Neill and maybe Newport maybe <laughs> they are missing Newport in a bad way right now fine but when you get on
3: base it doesn't really matter if you're tripping over third and you. not scoring or if you're not uh, scoring the runs but Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson are not the Calvary they're not coming in to save the day for this team they had those opportunities in the first month of the season and none of it worked out for this team. That's when you got to Alec Burleson in the outfield and Juan Yepes in the outfield. And then they got to Brendan Donovan and Oscar Mercado when the injuries picked up. That's where the confidence lacks at the top. It's like, OK, well, we can't make any moves on the outside right now. So it's got to be internal. Well, the internal options aren't digging you out of this hole that you're in.
5: Yeah, I I agree entirely. If you're waiting for Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson to save you, then my friend, you are already dead. Maybe. <laughs> like this is—that is just not the way that this is going to get fixed. Maybe,
2: maybe they're talking about Woodford and Packy. Maybe those were the two guys that we were referring to. When those guys are back, the pitching staff is Packer even
3: on this team still? Yeah, he's on the IL. Oh, hurt. he's hurt still. He's throwing yeah. off a yeah. mound. he I sleeping think
2: on now. that futon that Tyler. O'Neal is? Woodford's on his uh, rehab assignment right now. Oh. He'll be back soon. Yeah, that's <laughs> gonna fix
3: things. That's like saying Dakota Hudson's gonna come up and start eating innings maybe, for this team.
2: Maybe Michael McGreevy.
5: T Bone mentioned him earlier. Maybe maybe that's the answer to all the problems that uh, that are plaguing the Cardinals right now. I I don't know what it is. I don't know what you do to fix this. I think the true answer is, and it's the one that nobody wants to admit, but it's honest. Blow it there up. isn't an answer. There isn't an answer for the 2023 Cardinals. You can fire everybody, blow it up. You can go ahead and trade everybody off. That doesn't solve anything for this year. It makes us feel better. It makes fans feel like somebody had to pay for what that's went what wrong. I
2: want to feel better, BK. Sure.
5: Yeah, you're holding people accountable by firing them, and that's fair. Like maybe that needs to happen, but it doesn't solve anything. The the easy part is sending people out. The really hard part is replacing them with the right guys and then fixing this for 2024. This is right now the pain that they have to get to. And then the real difficult decisions start to take place. The problem is the Cardinal season is another four months, guys. Four months of this. Well, blue season starts up in three, right?
2: No, they're not going to be much
5: better. At least we've got the draft coming up soon. Speaking of the St. Louis Blues, Darren Pang, no longer a part of the broadcast. We'll talk about it next. Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So this is a story that we've been wondering if it was going to take place, and it did earlier today. According to Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic, and he has a full piece on this breaking things down right now over on The Athletic, if you want to read that, uh, Darren Pang is going to be returning to where his NHL career began, which is in Chicago. He's going to be leaving the Blues TV broadcasts to have the same gig with the Chicago Blackhawks. Now, Alex, I want to say this up front. There's a lot of questions going around about Bally Sports Midwest's future, and that is because Bally Sports in general, the Diamond Sports Group, is going into bankruptcy. We know San Diego has been one of the teams that they've just completely disintegrated. Like the, the Valley sports, San Diego broadcasts are no more MLB is putting on their broadcast. We don't know what the future holds. And that's a significant backdrop to what's taking place here with Darren Pang, who is one of the best voices in all of hockey, like regardless of regional or national television. So it sucks to lose him, man. I say, this is somebody that moved here in 2015 The only guy that I've known that really does blues hockey is Darren Pang. He kind of like, as I moved here, taught me the game of hockey. And I think for people Tanner's age, for example, he's the only guy that you've really seen doing the job that he has here in St. Louis. And so to lose him and the passion and the joy that he brings to the broadcast, man, that sucks. Um, so big news here today in St. Louis. Alex, I know you've been around the broadcasts regularly. You certainly go out to enterprise every single game since you've been doing the pre and post. You know, Panger maybe more on a personal level. But what's it? Uh, what was your reaction when you saw this news that he's going to be leaving yep. Valley Sports Midwest? It was the exact reaction of every Blues fan. It sucks to lose somebody as good as Darren Pang.
3: I mean, I've been covering the Blues since 2013, and Darren Pang has been right there with me through it all, just like all these broadcasters when they're helping you and kind of teaching you the game. And you said it best, BK. I mean, he taught people the game of hockey, but he also made it fun. It's not the Absolutely. boring brand of hockey. It's He was fun with it. I mean, the lines, the one-liners that you get from Darren Pang, Holy jumping and Ace of Spades and Dipsy Doodle, like now that is what he provided to the game. And I told you guys in the office what Panger did to me was he brought the excitement back to blues hockey when you came out of the lockout because that post lockout season, man, it stunk. I mean, his first year, I believe was the year that they made the playoffs for the first time in four or five years out of those lockouts. And Darren Payne brought that excitement back. And I remember having a personal conversation with him at the end of this hockey season and just asking him how he was doing. And he said, Alex, this is, this is a lot. He's like, it's a lot to do a team And network, because he does TNT also. And the cool part about this, and I know it sucks because it's Chicago for everybody, but this is home for him because he played in Chicago. That's where he grew up in hockey in Chicago. He did analysis in Chicago. It's kind of what got his start into the national game. So as much as it sucks to lose somebody that feels like a family for all of us with Darren Pang, he's going back to where it all started, which in broadcast, Seems like a really cool thing to say. And from Jr's piece, he's going to still be doing the TNT broadcast, which means he'll probably get a couple of Blues
5: games here and there. Somebody on the text line from the three one four said, "Guys, I understand that this is probably an overreaction, but it feels like this is the official end of one era of Blues hockey. Most of the Stanley Cup team is now gone. The team is retooling, and now Panger is gone as well. This feels like the final nail in the coffin." I, I, that sounds super depressing <laughs> to say it wrong, that way. No. <laughs> I think there's some truth to that. Yeah. Like, there there is almost an era of Blues hockey, which, like, kind of starts with Alex Petrangelo and um, Darren Pang being on the broadcast. And, like, the first portion of that closed when Petro went to Vegas. And now kind of the end of that era closes with Darren Pang going to Chicago. I, I think there's some truth to what they're saying. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, depressing. It's, it's very... Yeah, I mean, that's about as
3: dark as you can ask for to say that, but... And oh, by the way, he's going to Chicago. Right, yeah. (laughs) Connor Bedard, Chicago Blackhawks. And and I saw people saying, oh, he's going because of Connor Bedard. No, he's going because Chicago probably wanted him there. Um, It is, though. I mean, uh, again, he was the guy with John Kelly out of that lockout. Because the pre-lockout, you had a different broadcast crew. And now you've got this broadcast crew, and it's led you all the way through. And I think it hurts so much more... Because you're right, you had the the peak where you got the Stanley Cup, all those playoff runs, and then now you're transitioning out of the era that was Petro and Steen and all of these guys and going into this younger era. So, I, I mean, a lot of people didn't know much about Darren Pang when he joined St. Louis and people fell in love with him. So I would imagine whomever that they deem the next uh, color analyst for the team is going to get that same reception. But man, is it going to be tough to see Darren Pang on all those Chicago Blackhawks so broadcasts? So this is
5: Jeremy Rutherford's report. i not my opinion, but uh, he said no word yet. But with Jamie Rivers filling in for paying the past couple of years, he would have to be considered the front runner to replace him at this point. Alex, we have no idea where this is going to go. Yeah. My guess is it'll be a former blue. I mean, that's typically the way that this ends up going or somebody from St. Louis. So it, whoever the names are that I, I'm sure there will be probably a dozen names that end up going getting thrown out for this specific position at some point. Um Whoever it is, they're going to do a good job of finding somebody that's going to be able to fill in for Panger. I, I would add this, though. Nobody's going to be Darren Pang. No, God, so no. Do- don't choose ex- to fill. It's the don't- same as,
3: like, oh, I'm making the comp <laughs> of oh, Darren Pang and Yadier Molina, but, like, you're not replacing him, so don't think that you're
5: getting Darren Pang. There's just, there's no way to replace what he brought. Because I watch the games nationally, man, and the oh, games yeah. are better when Darren Pang's on them. He's on the Stanley Cup ones. I think he is the best Color analyst in hockey personally Like when I'm watching these games and I'm not going to Tell you that I've broken down every individual Like local hockey markets color Commentators I I don't know maybe there's somebody out There that's as good or better let me tell you Chicago Needed Darren Pang. I don't know who it's going (laughs) To be um, but I I, Based on the broadcast that I've seen Darren Pang is my favorite hockey broadcaster I, I think he's the best so trying to live up to that standard is going to be damn near impossible for whoever ends up getting that job. So have a little grace. There's going to be a learning curve for whoever it is that ends up getting that job. Um, but if you missed it, the news of the day here in St. Louis on the hockey side of things is that Darren Pang is taking a job with the Chicago Blackhawks to be their color analyst. And the Bally Sports Midwest broadcast will certainly sound a whole lot different going into 2023 with Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. 143999646 is the Air Comfort Service text line. We'll get to questions and answers coming up next here on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobb's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. You've got questions, we may have the answers. Maybe it's BK and Ferrario's questions and answers on 101 ESPN.
5: 399 is the Air Comfort Service X-Line for questions and answers. Let's get to this from the 314. Guys, let's start with the hockey guy here. The Cardinals took away the ping pong table, so that way they could fo- focus on their play. But shouldn't they be doing stuff to build chemistry? I know that hockey does this.
3: I think that was insulting you, BK. I know. Oh, well, I'm
2: glad you explain because I didn't understand it. <laughs>
3: Tanner looked confused. I was a little confused. Thought we were
2: playing ping pong for a minute. Yeah. BK? Do you think they
5: need to go on a family outing? <laughs> Should they take a? No, it's a team bonding a
3: trip. in Branson. And they do, dude. If they want to go to Branson, City. I got the hookup. I stayed. I
5: stayed at a Best
3: Value. Where said
2: a uh, place the Blue stayed before they started either? This I do want to follow up on
5: that. I saw some pictures oh, of your Branson? family in Branson. Maybe it'll be a jump. Where drawer. were you guys staying? <laughs> Not in a good place <laughs> what,
3: what, How did you end up where you were? Well, it was cheap That's how we ended up where we were If only I would have called my buddies at Apache Village RV to hook us up Then we would have been staying in luxury rather than me worrying about bet- Can we go on a tight tangent with this Branson trip real quick? Place. Okay, the place that we stayed, no joke I mean, our options are that or yeah. talk more about the
5: Cardinals being no a failure No joke,
3: we pulled into the parking lot, my family we get there. My family comes out of their room, come down to talk to us. While we're standing in the parking lot, there are kids, probably Tanner's age, guy and girl. So 12. Yeah. Girl, no pants on. No joke. No pants on. Not a swimsuit.
2: No pants and on. And that hot when you went? And they were weekend. just
3: licking each other's faces. What? On the balcony. And like my two-year-old daughter is standing right here, uncomfortable. Then he jumps off of the second floor Dad, of the that balcony. What's that? Yeah, Danny, what's that? We're not <laughs> answering that. And then we see him when he's going into his girlfriend's car that he just licked her face. <laughs> he's got an ankle brace on. Like uh, the police good. ankle. Yeah. yeah, brace. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like and of course he was staying two rooms down from us. So we got moved to a different room. I don't like, think that helps, pretty buddy. pretty uncomfortable, but, uh, so, yeah. And then, of course... Did you see any more face licking by the time you left? No, I think... Any he, more licking I, in I, general? I think regardless of... <laughs> I think somebody part? complained about him because he got kicked out. We never saw him again, but... Um, I think that was the police. It's maybe, called, yeah, uh, maybe he got arrested <laughs> because he, he broke his boundaries. Yeah, he wasn't
2: supposed to be there. The bracelet was flashing. It was,
3: uh... It was on parole, buddy. It, it was a place that... It, it was a place that looks like bed bugs
5: uh... Thrive, they call it bed bug. In they probably do. I mean, Uh, it's Branson 314 399 9646 is the air comfort service X line. God, this one comes from the 314. Guys, what would you put the percentages on John Mosellock being fired after the season? Would you consider them to be less than five percent?
2: I'd say 10 percent. Can I ask what do they think the record's gonna be? I mean, you can what what do do you think the
5: record's gonna be?
2: Low 500. (laughs) not making the playoffs. I still don't think he gets fired. Selling at the deadline. I uh, I wouldn't go over 50%, but I think if they're below 500 to miss the playoffs, I would put it at 40. I, I think it's been very underwhelming and some disturbing... I don't know if disturbing is the right word, but some very... I'm alarming, uh, very alarming trends that have been coming from comment? the front office. They
3: think Tyler O'Neill and Dylan Carlson are going to fix this. I'm disturbed.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, that comment's fair, but there have been like alarming concerns from the John Bose tenure over the last couple of years. And you kind of can, you can kind of put those under the rug, kind of uh, brush those under the rug if you're <laughs> winning and you get into the playoffs. But when you aren't winning and it's been, let's just be honest, a complete disaster from the very beginning of this season then it's tough it's tough to just ignore some of those trends that we've seen from the front office if you finish below 500 and miss the playoffs and i know it only be the first time in his tenure but it's very alarming i'll say this it's more likely ali marmal is fired before john was fired
5: i think it's possible both i think that's what i was gonna say i think you see either both or none i think most tied to ali I don't do you guys think that Mo's going to get a chance this offseason to hire another manager? No. No. I think he I think he could be four managers in 6 years. Well, and especially with your you final year of I,
3: that contract extension. You're not hiring somebody and then leaving. They'll let it run one more year of Ollie and then whoever is the next general uh, president of baseball operations I, will hire him.
2: I said this yesterday and I still stand by this whether you agree or disagree, but I, I think the only way that like Ollie were to go before uh Mo would be if mo was sensing fire and his last desperate hope, we talked about it earlier the last hope he has is a coaching staff kind of restructuring and then maybe he would do that but if it doesn't work then i think he's right back out the door by the end of the season too
5: yeah i, I totally agree i i think either both of them go or neither of them go at the end of the year and i would say it's like 50 50 right now that It could go either way I know and I'm not sitting on the fence by saying that I think me saying that there's a 50% chance that both potentially get let go at the end of the year is significant that's that's a really high opportunity for that to happen so if it continues in this direction I think this was the year that John Mosaylock put himself under the most pressure that I can remember since I've been here in St. Louis He bet big on his starting rotation that he constructed. He bet big on his outfield that he constructed. He bet big on his manager that he picked. He bet big on his hitting and pitching coach that he hired. This was the year that he needed to get it right. He bet big on his catcher that he handpicked by going to his home. At some point, this is going to reflect on the president of baseball operations that made the decisions to construct this roster that is failing right now. So if it continues in this direction, I I think there is real pressure mounting on John Mosaylock to get this thing turned around. And I, I think everybody can feel it.
2: Yeah. And, and to that point, let's also add in that some of the comments that were made in the offseason of hey, we expect payroll to go up. Now, he got out of that by a technicality, but he said payroll would go up. And then also the other one that we'll see what happens was he said, I think it was at winter warm-up, that we've saved some room for ourselves for, to make a move at the deadline. Can I give a theory on that tinfoil, Ooh, tinfoil maybe? Foil? I don't
5: even think it's that tinfoily. Oh, yeah, let's go for it. So I think the theory. Cardinals had planned to do more and then the Bally Sports stuff came out and they were like, Mm-mm, nope. And they'll never admit that. They'll never say it publicly. I think the Cardinals got spooked by the Valley Sports Midwest situation because they're one of the teams that gets hurt by that more than a lot because they have, they have a pretty good contract with Bally yeah. Sports Midwest. And if that money stops coming in and it becomes more fragile, yeah, that's going to impact the way that they do business. Whether I, it should or it shouldn't. You can make that determination on your own. You can have your own interpretation of this. But I absolutely believe in my heart of hearts, that's part of why they did went about the offseason the way that they did.
3: This is an interesting question, and it ties into that. Who has lost more mojo over the last five years? Mojo, okay.
5: John Mozalek or Doug Armstrong? Mo. When you when you say mojo, define that for me. I'll, I'll play the role of uh, Ollie. Explain that.
3: It's uncharacteristic <laughs> of you to ask me to explain. I, I don't know how to explain it. They said mojo. I, I guess it's willingness I, I don't to say, pull the trigger on I stuff. don't want to say trust because that then it goes immediately to Doug Armstrong, but like.
2: Aggre- I, when I think yeah, Mojo, I, I, I think aggression of we're going to go for it, we're going to make this move, even if it's like a move that we could look back on and go, oh bleep, we messed that I, up. I, I guess
3: who has the better the better, like pic- the better
5: picture of what they're wanting over the last five years? Army, I mean Army in the last five years has a. I, I mean a you, cup. yeah, I mean you, <laughs> so like Doug Armstrong. Okay, if we're talking about post I'm
3: thinking like roster construction, so not like, so much basically like basically since the 2020 season
5: for both teams yeah let's go last four years essentially i I
3: think it's still army i think army wins the conversation in every category right now i think mo has lost the hope of every fan probably since
5: 2016 and it's just gotten worse doug armstrong has constructed the team where i don't feel like they're that far away i know they've they've taken some wrong turns some self-imposed but I I think for the most part, Army Army has done fine. And I don't feel like they're like stuck in any way. I feel like the Cardinals are stuck. I I don't know how you get out of this. And the Cardinals have also messed up the outfield and the pitching staff and the defense. When you look at the blues, basically, hey, fix the blue line. You're good. That's what I was going to say. It feels like Army has a blueprint of what
3: he's trying to accomplish and has a time frame. Mo just seems like, well, we're going to win.
5: Like, it doesn't feel like there's a blueprint in place. It also, I think part of the difference for fans is that it feels like Army goes for it. When Army you has have a chance tru- yeah. to win in a significant way, they add David Perron, they add Ryan O'Reilly, they go out and trade for Pavel Buchnevich, they have a last minute addition going, it didn't work out, but going into uh, training camp where they're like, hey, Mike Kaufman's available, let's go ahead and add that guy to the mix. It failed, but I respect the aggression that he had there. John Moseluk's like, oh, we added Wilson Contreras, I think we're good here, let's rest on our laurels. His offseason is like a pop gun offseason typically Where he adds one guy and then he's done And that's it, we're not making any more changes There are fans that convince themselves right now That Army could trade up into the top 5 of this year's draft Army could go out last offseason And potentially trade for Matthew Kachuk Any conversation that happens They believe Army's going to be in on it Meanwhile, last year at the deadline Our entire text line was like Guys, the Cardinals are not trading for Juan Soto Stop talking about this Because of Mo So that's that's yeah. the difference between the two Is I think some people, most people believe that Army's aggressive and Mo is like I, very I mean, conservative in my nature.
3: response yesterday to the pitching that we argued about. Like yeah. I don't trust Mo going into the
2: offseason signing a pitcher. Whereas Army signed somebody, I, I actually believe they're gonna have I, an impact. I think the other thing too is like you saw and I've talked about this with the pitching the rotation as a whole, is you saw Army try to modernize the St. Louis Blues after the cup team of instead of hey, we're gonna be this heavy hitting defensive sound team. We're gonna get puck movers. We're gonna play with speed with Kairou, Thomas, guys like that. And now you can argue if they did it right, did it wrong. That's where they've been trying to go, and that's where the NHL is going. So Army's been trying to get ahead of the curve. Meanwhile, the Cardinals and their pitching staff – they're still trying to modernize this pitching staff. They're still looking for more swing and miss. And they gambled on and on really like one guy in Jack Flaherty who hadn't been healthy for two straight years. And also like, maybe you can add a little bit more with a pitching coach change to uh, Jordan Montgomery. Like they haven't modernized as well. And they also haven't been able to solve one of their biggest issues, which is their outfield. Now you can make the and the blues haven't solved their defense, but they're working on it. But Mo's got the outfield problem, and he hasn't modernized the rotation.
5: Coming up next, John Mo Zaloc has made some comments to Katie Wu of The Athletic. We'll pass oh along a few of those to you guys <laughs> coming up here momentarily. And there's one national analyst that believes that the Cardinals could do something that a New York team did a little more than five years ago. We'll tell you what that is next year on 101 ESPN.
0: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. We're
1: right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
5: I'm Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. it's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. So we'll get to what the Cardinals could do that could be similar to a Yankees team from a few years ago here in just a moment.
3: But guys, I mean, the championship ones, the ones that spend like millions of dollars,
5: they, they do spend millions. We don't have to specify how many millions <laughs> Only and how far away that is from <laughs> the Cardinals. We'll get to that here in just a minute. <laughs> guys, Katie Wu was able to catch up with John Mosaylock yesterday for an exclusive interview that is now posted over on The Athletic. This was a question that she asked John Mosellock, quote, how would you evaluate the job that Ollie Marmel is doing as manager? Have you guys seen the answer to
2: this yet? I'm I saw not. somebody
3: text it in. So, yes. I have not seen it. How do you think
5: he answered that question?
2: Well, I would really like to believe that he says, you know, he's been doing a good job, but you know, there's just certain situations where we're dealing with injuries, so it makes his job tougher. But considering I've not yet heard Mo defend Ollie publicly, I'm very intrigued to know what this answer is.
5: Here is what he said in response to this. This is always a tough question to oh, answer boy. because people will say we're not winning, Hold on, but I think he's dancing. done an amazing job. I think he has the trust of the players. Unfortunately, he wasn't dealt the hand he thought he was going to get. You have to make adjustments, and those things happen. I do think he does a really good job, and I think most importantly, he has the trust of the players. What do you make of that answer?
3: I don't believe it. I don't believe he has the trust of the players.
2: See, I, I took that different route. I thought that was a boost of, hey, the players need to turn it around because we're not moving all Well Yeah, all. but I don't think the that, players
5: trust him. That was almost exactly what Doug Armstrong said about Craig Berube this year. Yeah. Almost exactly what Craig Berube had said about him from Doug Armstrong. I think that Mo knows that Ollie is tied to him. I think Mo is looking at Ollie and saying, hey, dude, we are in this thing together. What because if we- one of us goes, we are both done. Because if Ollie doesn't work out, do you know how poor of a reflection that is on John Moselock? Like, it is his hand-picked successor to a guy that made the playoffs three consecutive years and was fired for quote-unquote philosophical differences. However I feel about that, however you feel about that, however the audience feels about that, there is a vast majority of this Cardinals fan base that views that as the turning point for the organization, where everything was good beforehand, the little things were going well, and then things went to crap the moment that they fired Mike Schilt. I disagree with that. I think last year they were a very well managed team. I think Ollie did a great job last year. But I think those two things are correlated in the minds of a lot of Cardinals fans. And for Ollie to get that kind of support from John Mozalok, I view that as meaningful. And I think it tells us at a minimum, Ollie ain't going anywhere right. during the season. Yeah. He is not getting fired as much as Cardinals fans are going to continue asking. About You're
3: it. right. It is the exact same that Army did with Baruby because he said Baruby's not going anywhere. Here's my question, though. What are the cards that he was dealt? The outfield?
2: Yeah. The injuries? No, I just think the outfield and Okay, a whole- so Moe's essentially saying the I didn't do the a good enough staff- job to
3: give him a roster. Yeah,
2: now, I-, I think it's a little bit of both. I
5: think it is he thought he was going to have a roster that was malleable, that he could move pieces all around, and um, that he could have the matchups that he wanted to play with day-to-day. And instead, what he has is instead of being able to determine the best course of action based on the matchups, he's having to determine the best course of actions based on who he has available to him on a day to day basis. It is out of necessity, not out of strength. And so when you have a situation like that, that is not a good place to be as a man- manager manager. I- I've seen a lot of people criticizing the fact that they're playing infielders in the outfield right now. Guys, who? what do you do? Like, what's the alternative? They've got Jordan Walker, who's in right field right now, who is honestly their worst defender and somebody even with the infielders playing and anybody
3: who's trying to continue to push and say Oscar Mercado should be out there has not. He watched was worse Oscar Mercado.
5: defensively than what I've seen from Tommy Edmund so far, like Tommy Edmond, I think, has played center field better than Tom Tyler O'Neill did. I think you can argue that him and Lars Newpar is not all that different. Now, the arm is very different between those two. Tommy's arm is not capable of playing center field every day. He should not be asked to play center field every day. But I think he's done a more than adequate job out there. Brendan Donovan played left field a good amount last year. Like, I know he's technically by trade a second baseman, but the value in Brendan Donovan is doing what he's doing right now. When you have somebody that's out of the the lineup on a day to day basis, he replaces them. He could play first, he could play third, he could play second, he could play in your corner outfield. If you need him to on a, a really significant pinch, he can play shortstop for you. That's Brendan Donovan's value. It's like, okay, cool. You don't want to play infielders out there. Then who are you playing right now? That's not a reflection on Ollie. That's a reflection on the roster right now. And that gets back to what you were asking about, Alex. What is the hand that he's been dealt? I don't think that these guys change the trajectory of the season necessarily, but them having Tyler O'Neill, Lars Newtbar, and Dylan Carlson all on the injured list does matter. Like, it is meaningful that Lars Newtbar had the third best wins above replacement this year, even today, despite the fact that he's missed, like, almost half the season, and he's on the I.L., them missing Lars is a really big deal. Lars this is the only one that I can get behind. I mean, your manager basically
3: shot down Tyler O'Neill the first week Agreed. of the season. Dylan Carlson lost his job in like
5: the third week of the season. I think Dylan Carlson, though, would be starting today, starting every day right now if he was available it's because, not, because of their options. But it's not changing the outcomes of the season. I don't season. know. I think defensively, like I, I think if you had a, a fresh outfield right now, those guys were healthy. I don't think Jordan Walker's up today. I don't think he was called up because of his success down in Triple A. I think he was called up, and I think they kind of tipped their hand on this because Lars Newbar got hurt. But you're not winning games because your offense still isn't hitting. And Dylan I Carlson think you was hitting- might be winning more. Like I think you probably out of the last five games win. Two or three of them if you have oh, a different outfield see, I that you good defensively with.
3: I disagree with that. I don't think, I the think out- it
5: completely changes the way they play. The outfield has been an issue, but it hasn't been the sole reason this team has been losing. It's because you're not getting any offense right now. I think it's both. I think the two are related. I, I think because they are not getting the defense that they need, they're having to win these games like eight to six or something like that. And if instead of allowing, like last night, you probably should have cut down at least two of those runs based on outfield defense. Yeah. probably could have cut down on another one of those based on your infield defense. And if you have that, you, you had a real chance to win that game last night. Um, so I... I do think it matters. I do think it changes things for them. And this is not me caping for Ollie. And it's certainly not me caping for Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neill. Newt is the guy that I think really matters here because offensively, I think he changes things and defensively, he helps you quite a bit and he helps you on the bases too. Like there's just a lot of value tied into that guy. I think not having him really changes things. And I think defensively, if you have Carlson, things look a lot different. And,
2: and, and to the point on Carlson, I, I think what happens is, one, I do agree. I think Carlson, if he were healthy, and it sounds like they're hoping they can get him back uh, potentially Friday when they open up that series against Cincinnati. Um, I, I think what they what what happened is Carlson goes to center. He is starting every day. And then you pulled DeYoung out of the lineup and Edmonds at shortstop again. And then you're taking out, though you're adding a struggling bat in Carlson, you improve the outfield defense, and you're not really losing a whole lot. I do think DeYoung is a little bit better defense, it's short than Edmond, but you're not losing a whole lot. But you keep Edmond's bat, which has been playing better at shortstop. So I do think you do improve now. Is it to a point where, like, you improve and it's, like, you know, five-win improvement? No, it's, like, a win in improvement, but it's still an improvement nonetheless.
5: Yeah, I, I think the outfield defense has been an under, uh, underrated part of what's gone wrong. All right, I do want to get to a couple of the, uh, these other answers from him, uh, if you guys don't mind. He he was asked about the outfield specifically by Katie Wu, and he said, Missing those injured players for this time has certainly adversely affected our club. Did we make a large bet on them? Yes, but our bet was on perf- performance not on injury having said that either way it's not working to what we had hoped there's still 100 games left in this season hopefully these guys can get back and make the impacts that we thought that they would and if not that definitely affects how we think about things for 2024 ultimately you're going to need production out of your outfield we have 100 games left to see what it looks like but if it's not to the level where we feel like we can compete over 162 then adjustments will have to be made there and he was talking about during the offseason I think we all agree Tyler O'Neal's not gonna be a part of this roster after the trade deadline, much less next year, right?
3: I yeah. don't think I don't think we see Tyler O'Neill again. I think we see Tyler
5: O'Neill on another team before we see him on the Cardinals roster. What do you think the future holds for Dylan Carlson? Because Alex, like I do tend to agree with you in terms of what he is as a player. I don't think Carlson's a game changer for them.
3: I think Carlson's gonna be gone. I think if you're the Cardinals and you're looking at this, Jordan Walker's going to be your right fielder, they're gonna work on the defense, Newt Barr's your center fielder, and you're finding a left fielder. And it's not an internal left fielder because you don't have one of those at least within the next year or two, um, so I don't I don't I don't view Dylan Carlson as a Cardinal beyond this season. And I know everybody's going to be ah you should have got soda when you did. Well, you wouldn't have had Walker and Gorman and Win, so just chill out about that. Thank you.
2: I, I I tend to agree with Alex. I I don't think DC has a future here. And I thought that before this article. I thought that when we had Mo on our show. Gosh, what's it been like? A month now. I. I just the way they talk about him doesn't sound like someone that you kind of envision being in your outfield for the future for the next like three years I I tend to agree I think it's going to be Nupar and Walker I think those guys are going to be locked into the outfield and then I'm not quite sure what they want to do with left I could see where they decide to go with Donovan left field I could also see where they kind of explore and maybe they decide to go with you know what let's go get someone on like a one year deal that can kind of play the platoons and play the splits and we put them out there in left field but no I, I don't think Carlson's a part of this team's future
5: final thing that I wanted to get to here we heard the quote last week from John Luck when he was on with Bally Sports Midwest and it was Jimmy the Cat Hayes who asked him, "Hey, you know, people are talking about the trade deadline. We're now 6 weeks away from it. When you think about whether you're going to be a buyer, a seller, a hold, when you think about the trade deadline and how it affects the Cardinals, how do you view that as a as the general manager, president of baseball operations as a, for this team?" And he basically said, "Well, you said the word seller there, Jim." I don't see any scenario in which we are a seller. And then he went on to talk about how they want to add, but they don't know what the market's going to look like, blah, blah, blah. We're still a long ways away from that. Katie Wu asked him about the trade deadline. And I thought this was interesting because it was a, in my opinion, very different answer. Her question was this. I know it's June and things will fluctuate before the trade deadline, but at this point, would it be fair to say that you don't anticipate selling? I love the way that she framed that because it is going back to the answer that he gave last week. So you're basically following up on that answer a week later after after we've seen them lose five straight games. He said, quote, John Moselock said this, that's a question that's coming up a lot. Are we buying or are we selling? Right now we are staying. We are holding. Ultimately, as we see the next four to six weeks develop, that might decide what we really do in the end, and I hope that we are actively trying to get better come july than looking to move talent that is a very different answer than the ga- the answer that he gave to jim hayes last week that is him admitting the last five games have changed my opinion on this yep. that that he didn't say that but when you read between the lines and you have to do that with mo's answers a lot of the time he is telling you as a fan things changed our team is not performing the way that I expected them to. And the division is starting to fall out of our grasp. And if that continues, we will sell. Ch- By sell. the end
3: of June, his tone's Town. going to be selling. The, I, I mean, that's the next step for him. And I know, T-Bone, you said yesterday, like the all-star break is where you look at it. I... If I'm Mo, and I think Moe's probably starting to think that way also, by the end of June, if you're under five hundred, you're selling.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree with that, and, and I think though I don't think like Milwaukee or Pittsburgh are going to run away th- away with the division. I think they're going to stay above five hundred. So the further you drop below five hundred, the more they're running away with it. But I I think. Mo, when he talked to Jim Hayes, I think he kind of had the same sense and the same kind of wording that was coming from the clubhouse from Ollie Marmol and them of, "Hey man, it's our 18th game in 19 days. Like we we are starting to feel it. That that's that's why we've struggled at the back end of this 19 game stretch." And then it was good okay. After got these, that rest, well, that's what I'm gonna say. After that two days off, I think it was okay. Now we're gonna take off again. We're gonna play, we played good baseball at the beginning of this 19 game stretch. We're gonna take off again. We're gonna go into Pittsburgh and we're gonna show them we're the top team here. We're gonna go into Texas and we're gonna scratch and claw. We may not win two or three, but we're sure as hell gonna fight. And they lost five in a row, yep. and it became very clear that this team wasn't. T- they w- they probably were tired. I don't want to take that away. They w- they were tired. It, it wasn't a lack of they were not rested. It was. There's a talent issue here. There, there's a talent deficiency, and for whatever reason, we cannot piece that together. And I think that's exactly what Mo saw after this recent stretch.
5: Oh, and just wait until this upcoming stretch. We're already hearing about it. I heard Wayno mention it earlier today on the opening drive. Oh, buddy, they're going out to London. They're going to be taking on Chicago, and then they come back home, get one day off, and take on Houston for three, then New York for three, then travel down to Miami for three over the 4th of July weekend. We all know South Beach is a little wild over the 4th of July weekend, and then suddenly they're going to be in Chicago for another road trip. There's no days off in that stretch. Oh, boy, this team is going to be exhausted by the time they get to the All-Star break. I'm so done with that. Imagine? I
3: freaking hate that excuse more than anything. Oh, but it's tough. Oh, it's well, tough. We were in London and the time change, it really messed us up, so you got to give us a little bit of time. I do
5: believe that they are correct in that. Like I, I think there's some truth to what they said about the 19 games in 19 days. And also, that wasn't the excuse. <laughs> er, that... Let me clarify. That was the excuse, it was not the explanation. Yeah. The explanation for why they were playing poorly is because they just weren't a very good team at the time.
2: And that's why that's why that's I where I said, they're right now. That's why I said come on into that Pittsburgh series on the show we did on Friday. It's a put up or shut up type series for them. 'Cause you had not only a day off, you had two days off, which never happens. And then you went out there and you laid an egg in Pittsburgh and you continue to lay your egg in Texas.
5: Coming up next, let's play a game of better, forget it. I've got a question that I want to ask in response to something that a national analyst had to say about the Cardinals. Could they do something that the Yankees did a little more than five years ago? Play a game of better, forget it. Three one four three nine 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 six four six coming up next here on one oh one ESPN.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Vegas sets them up and we're here to make the call. It's PK and Ferrario's. Bet it or forget it on 101 ESPN. Brought to you by Train Heating and Cooling. Visit traininfo.com. It's hard to stop a train.
5: Four three nine 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 six four six is the air comfort service text line for bet it or forget it. Alex, I want to start with some audio that I heard yesterday from an episode of the Athletics Major League Baseball podcast. Getting
3: spicy on bet it or forget it. Mark
5: Carrig is a national analyst for the Athletic, and he previously covered the New York Mets and the New York Yankees. So he was talking about the Cardinals, and they did the whole thing where they're like, "Hey, what if they traded Paul Goldschmidt?" and Yeah, that's silly. But okay, got angry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Not going to happen. Look at the analytics. I'm never going to listen again. That's just a
5: stupid opinion. So Mark Kerrig brought up a possibility that I did think was interesting. He compared this year's Cardinals team to the 2016 Yankees. Here's what he had
2: to say. They strike me as a club that could potentially pull off what the Yankees tried to do about seven, eight years mm. ago. That Insta 16. rebuild, 16, right? Like they, you know, they're, that when you look at like the mix of players, like the ranges, right? You got some experienced guys, you got dudes breaking in. And it looks like you could probably run that move here. If you had like now, you know, you, you got to hit on the trades and then you've got to spend money afterward, right? Cause like, if you're gonna part with that talent but still try to win relatively soon, you're probably gonna have to fill some gaps in free agency or whatever to kind of like, and that's what the Yankees end up doing.
5: So this is what I find to be really interesting about this. And I want to ask a better to forget it in relation to it. Alex, in 2016, the Yankees went 84 and 78. They had at that point missed the playoffs three of the last four years. The one year that they did make it, make it. They made it kind of like the Cardinals have at 87 and 75 in 2015. And they lost in the wild card game. So they had played from 2013 to 2016. Those four seasons, one postseason game. They trade Aroldis Chapman. They trade Andrew Miller. They end up really the big piece that they get in return was a uh, shortstop. Gley uh, Gley 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 Torres. Ritores. And then they end up the next year winning 91 games, and they've made the playoffs every year ever since. They make it to a couple of ALCSs, three ALCSs in this stretch, and they've become one of the best teams in the American League over the last six years. Alex better to forget it. The Cardinals try to replicate what the Yankees did by trading multiple pieces from their bullpen for significant assets in return.
3: I'll say bet it because that's probably going to be the only real intriguing pieces that you can trade minus Jack Flaherty. Cause Jordan Montgomery is just dipping more and more how he continues in between Jordan Hicks. Ryan Housley and Giovanni Gallegos. Those are going to be three pieces that you could seriously get some interest. And of course, bullpen pieces are always desirable. I don't know if you get the same haul as Aroldis Chapman did because that was, I mean, he was dominant that year, but I'll say bet it. That's going to be probably the most significant return that the Cardinals get at the deadline, one of those bullpen pieces.
2: I, I'd bet it too. And I, I think that's what the Cardinals should do if they end up going into sell mode, is sell off some of these bullpen pieces, throw Stratton's name in there too. He's been great for the Cardinals this year. He won't be like, one of the big sexy options because he just doesn't have like the electric stuff. Hell, he he's might be been the Cardinals really closer
3: instead of trading them
2: uh, possible. But uh, I, I think that's the move that they're going to make. And I do think it won't just be, the ufas and hicks and stratton i I think they'll look to move somebody with control in the bullpen because that's a guy that would really bring something back so whether that be ryan helsley if he gets to pitching well and you feel start to feel more comfortable with him or as we've talked about in the past one of the most reliable relievers in baseball since he's been acquired from the yankees and giovanni gallegos i i could totally see where they do that so i would bet this i think the following guys would
5: have value if you decided to trade them at the deadline now differing ranges of value but value nonetheless Ryan Helsley, Giovanni Gallegos, Jordan Hicks, Henesis Cabrera, Drew Verhagen, and Chris Stratton. I think any of those six players would have some kind of value at the trade deadline for different roles for different teams. The guys that I think really like tangibly make you better, though, if you were to trade them, are Helsley, Gallegos, and Hicks. I think Jordan Hicks has a lot more value than a lot of Cardinals fans are suggesting right now. If you decided to trade him at the deadline, I wouldn't categorize it as a haul but you would get a ton in return. He might be the best reliever that gets dealt this year. The guy has a 35% strikeout rate and he has an ERA that in his last like 10 outings is below 2. He has been one of the best relievers in baseball since that weird start to the season for him. So I and he can go multiple innings like this is the thing about Hicks is if you wanted him to go multiple innings for you, he can do that. He throws 102. He has big time strikeout stuff suddenly for the first time in his major league career. Yeah, he walks too many guys, but if you strike guys out the way that he does, you can get away with it. I think this is exactly what the Cardinals should do at the trade deadline. And I think Jordan Hicks should be the headliner of what they decided. I to just do. want to know what you think the return is for Drew Verhagen. I think you could get a lottery ticket. Like your this version, this year's version of Juan Yepes when you traded for him. Okay. I don't think so. But moving on, better or forget it. And he makes nothing and he's a bullpen arm that strikes out more than a guy per inning. Somebody will trade for that.
3: Yeah. Does the tight butt cheek meter go with it too?
5: Hey man, I know that like when we watch these guys day to day, we feel a certain kind of way and I'm with you. I don't love watching Drew Verhagen. He makes me nervous every time. He would
3: be like six on the list. If I'm a team calling about bullpen arms. Uh, Agreed. Do you think they get
5: get that far down that list in terms of sellable assets? Absolutely. If you're at the like, so there was a piece from Ken Rosenthal today. And one of the quotes at the very end was basically like, there's not a whole lot out there when it comes to pitching that could be available at the deadline. The Cardinals could be a one-stop shop for teams where they say, hey, let us get a starter and a reliever. Let us get Jack Flaherty from you and Jordan Hicks. Let us get Drew Verhagen, Chris Stratton, and Jordan Montgomery. I know for the Cardinals, that doesn't sound sexy, but if you're a team that has four relievers that you trust and then a bunch of guys that are just kind of 4A players, like their version of, I don't know, Guillermo Zuniga, who the Cardinals clearly don't trust. Well, then, yeah, bringing in a guy like Drew Verhagen makes some sense to round out that that bullpen. If for nothing else then you need to fill innings the rest of this year. And then you rely more heavily on the guys that you actually trust when you get into the postseason. Yeah.
3: Okay. Uh, hockey side, better to forget it. We just saw yesterday, Philadelphia offload the contract of Ivan Provorov. And you saw the Kings offload the contract of Cal Peterson better forget it. The blues are going to be able to offload one of their significant contracts this offseason.
5: can. Yes. will know. So I'm going to forget it. I don't think just to take it kind of literally, I, I'm going to forget this. I don't think that they're going to end up trading one of those guys. I think they could trade Nick Letty if they wanted to this. Awesome and that's
3: season. why I would say bet it with Will. I was just looking at this. The Anaheim Ducks, I would keep a very close eye on. Pat Verbeek, general manager, has been around a while. They just hired a older head coach who is going to want to get the learning process in with some of these guys. You've got a younger defensive core. If I'm Anaheim, I need somebody with a little bit of veteran experience other than Kevin Shattenkirk to help guide these younger defensemen. And at $4 million for the next three years, I mean, I got a cap hit right now of $39 million. I got to get to the floor somehow. I'm I'm going to bet this one. I think they will be able to offload one of these contracts. And Nick Letty makes the most sense.
2: I'm going to forget it because I'm skeptical that somebody's going to want them, even if it's a team that, like Anaheim, as you said, is wanting to get up to the floor. I, I just view it as if somebody's going to take them, they're going to want the Blues to either Retain salary, like the 30% that we just talked about, which was in yesterday's trade, where they're going to want to pick in return of, hey, yeah, sure, we'll take Krook's contract, but we want that first-round pick that's, what is 29 or 30, whatever it is that the St. Louis Blues have. That's kind of the way I lean towards that, is that they're not going to be able to make that kind of move without putting something else in that deal. T-Bone, what do you got? Bet it or forget it. We were just talking about the MLB trade deadline. The St. Louis Cardinals will... Say they sell off the bullpen pieces. They will also look to add a starter with control to help begin the retool. Bet it. bet it.
5: I'm convinced Shane Bieber is going to be a Cardinal. I think they do both. I think they decide to sell and then also add assets as well. And that asset is likely to be a controllable starter. Uh, Guys, we're going to talk about this a little bit coming up in the one o'clock hour. I have also convinced myself that Shane Bieber is not going to cost what we thought. I don't think teams view him as a one or a two. I think teams view him as basically being Miles Michaelis Light. Great. The Cardinals are like, here's our ace, and we don't yeah. have to pay him much. I think that's what you're gonna end up doing. You trade like Dylan Carlson plus prospects for Shane Bieber. I'd be okay with that. that. I know people, I mean, he's not the ace, the swing and miss
3: stuff you want, but I think Shane Bieber's better than anything you got right now on the team.
2: I would tend to agree with that, but I would forget this. I don't I don't think they'll do both. I, I want I wonder if the Cardinals Again, that he does feel like a Cardinal move, but they need to modernize the rotation if they're going to do that. Bieber's not the guy for him so I'm going to forget it. I, I and I've said this before. And I think this that's is, where
5: you go to free agency. I think the guy that you get to solidify the rotation is Bieber. The guy that gets to modernize the rotation is in free agency.
2: Yeah, why not? But I don't know both? if they're going to be willing to well,
5: do
3: that.
2: This is another one
3: of those. Well, that's what I'm suggesting is the
2: Nola and Bieber oh. and Michaelis. When I sell my, that's the problem. Show When I sell my T Bone Tips of Life book, one of the tips is you don't buy and Dude, sell at the deadline. You, you got
3: like ten chapters already. I, know, I can't keep track.
2: What, what, well, that's why you're gonna get the book. I'll get it for you for we Christmas. We need to make a T shirt of T Bone's Tips to Life. One of my tips to it's life is you can't buy and you can't pages. add.
3: I have one of those. My daughter flushed it down the toilet. <laughs> Makes sense. What? Well, she tried to flush it down the toilet. Oh yeah, we're, we're 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 in a toilet phase now where we like to put things in the toilet and flush. How's that going, buddy? Well, none of it is bodily fluids. No, 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 (laughs) no, no. It's just things around the house. The other day, I went to the grocery store and I bought a uh, can of Italian breadcrumbs. That was in the toilet. That was great. You didn't I use can't them wait. Still, His right? headphones
5: are 100% going to yeah. end up in the in the toilet. No, they, they stay in the car. <laughs> <That's smart. laughs> they stay in the car. My AirPods, maybe, but these stay in the car. Is that what I have to look forward to? Yeah, Just oh, everything, oh, yeah. everything goes in the, in the
3: toilet. Everything goes in the toilet. And then when you guys have a second kid, if that happens, the first kid starts pushing the second kid all the time. The other kid bites the other kid. Last night I had one of those moments. Got home after grocery shopping. Sat down, put the groceries away, fed the girls. They were both screaming. I went and sat in the bathroom and cried for <laughs> at least
5: 10 seconds. t Mode, I'm going to get home one day and Alex is just going to be sitting on my front stoop. And he's going to say, do, do you have some whiskey? I know I hate oh. every, every kind of whiskey that you have. I need some in a desperate way right now. I don't, I, whiskey I already, wouldn't have even cured the
2: pain that I had last night. I, I, just, I, think, I picture him already saying, I'm going out and all it is is just sits in his car and drinks a whiskey and then ha- smokes a cigar. That no, that's not going to
5: happen. Coming up next, Andy McCullough writes for the athletic i don't think i've ever heard anybody suggest or uh classify what's gone wrong with the cardinals as well as andy did yesterday we'll let you hear it next year on 101 espn
0: mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight plus enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
4: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the Launch Your Online Shop stage, all the way to the We Just Hit a Million Orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.
3: If you ask me which team, who is the best team in terms of talent in the National League Central, I would say the Cardinals. And if you ask me who do I think is going to win the division next year, I would say the Cardinals. There is a problem. They lose almost every day. (laughs) (laughs) And it doesn't make a lot of sense. You can watch it and just be sort of confused if you followed, you know, our coverage from Katie Wu. Like, she seems
5: to be just as perplexed as anyone else when she was on the show. She didn't. That was Andy McCullough <laughs> yesterday on the Athletics Baseball Show, alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendricks, and I'm Brandon Kylie. I'm not sure that anybody's put it any better. If you ask me, who the best team is in the NL Central, it's the Cardinals. If you ask me who I think is going to win the NL Central next year, it's the Cardinals. The problem is they seem to lose every day. Alex, I I don't know how um. I hadn't noticed this previously. The Cardinals are 3 and 9 in their last 12 games. Oh, you didn't notice they that. They have the same score in each of those 3 wins. They won each of them 2 to 1. And who says this Cardinals team <laughs> can't win one-run games? I just don't understand what we're watching right now. My wife yesterday we were watching the game and she looks over at me and she says, what's going on like why why are they bad my wife has had the exact same conversation (laughs) and it's like they stink why and i looked at her and i said honestly i could give you a million different explanations as to what like my theory is on why they're bad my honest answer is i don't know i don't know why they're this bad somebody could convince me that it's because like there was some kind of a curse that was put on them this year i i Genuinely don't know. I heard somebody the other day say that this is the curse of Marcelo Zuna. I was like, you know what? what? That makes some sense. Like Marcelo Zuna, when he was traded here, what you traded away was Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon. So you what you're like looking for right move? now is basically Sandy Alcantara and Zach Gallon. Oh, no. So you know what? Actually, given Zach Gallon's comments, what, two weeks ago yeah. when he said, you know, he didn't like necessarily the Cardinal way. Maybe it's the curse of Zach Gallin. Maybe it's the, curse of-, maybe right it's the curse
3: of the Cardinal way. The Cardinal <laughs> has
5: finally made its way into the heads of the Cardinals. I, I can't explain it, but huh, what would, Andy McCullough said right there is the exact feeling that I have. I do still believe the Cardinals have the best team in the Central. I do still believe that if you asked me today who's winning the Central next year, I would pick the Cardinals. And yet I watch them every night, assuming that at some point it's going to get better, and it just doesn't. We had like two weeks where it looked pretty good. And every other day that you watch the Cardinals, you come away feeling like it's the end of the world for this organization. Every single time that
3: I turn the game on. Who would have thought that Marcelo Zuna and Babe Ruth would be in the same conversation with each other? <laughs> the Curse of Babe Ruth. Defensively, they're pretty similar. <laughs> I never saw Babe Ruth play defense. Uh, not great. Uh, Most, I don't think there's a
2: video of him climbing the, mostly wall, <laughs> the ball. Mostly smoking a
3: cigar at first <laughs> base, I would imagine. But you're right. I mean, Ben Verlander uh, went on a big
5: oh, God, rant. I know people guy. love ben, okay. ben Verlander.
3: He went on a big rant about the Cardinals and basically
5: he just. He basically took all of the. Fi- he t- he was our text line and he parroted all of those tech or all of those texts. And are like you one saying one our text, text line is wrong? Our text line I is just, very correct. If you watch that video and you come away saying, man, this guy's brilliant. Like, I've got some beachfront ben... property in Nevada to Never sell you. Said
2: he... Whoa. <laughs> Just... Never said he was brilliant. BK. I'm shocked he even, like, raised his voice. He's always Mr. Hey, baseball. That's fun. pretty much what he did. <laughs> Oh.
3: Just complained about the Cardinals losing game after game oh. after game. but
2: Get in the line, uh, Ben.
3: He I, I mean, said mean, the pitching's bad.
2: Oh, well. <laughs> that
3: That's hard-hitting well, stuff right there. Welcome to uh, the world of Captain Obvious with us right now. But, I mean, Andy nailed it there as much as you can because... This is why it's so flawed to sit here and act like, oh, well, if they have an underperforming season, they're going to make some significant changes. I don't think they will because the NL Central is going to be the exact same next year. You're going to have the middling Milwaukee Brewers without Corbin Burns. You're going to have a Reds and Pirates team that are growing, but people still don't expect them to do any damage, and a Chicago Cubs team that's still trying to figure it all out. So as much as we sit here and say, oh, they missed the playoffs, if they get 75 wins, oh, big changes are coming. No, they're, they're going to go out there and say, We're always in it in the
5: NL Central, and we feel like we just had a bad season. From the 3-1-4. You guys keep praising this team. It's disgusting. Why aren't we trashing the Cardinals? No one will get fired because the local media is not applying pressure. Please stop being a bunch of cupcakes.
3: Wow, I just got a text
5: earlier that says my pessimistic attitude pisses them off. I I ask this in all sincerity. What show are you listening to, to, sir or madam? Like, honestly, who are you listening to right now? Because it is clearly not this one. I'd love to know a,
3: sh- a show in St. Louis that is praising the Cardinals right now. Because I'd love to know what narrative you're finding to praise this Cardinals there team. There isn't
5: one, man. You can't. This team's garbage right now. I And I can't explain why. I can't. They've got good players in this lineup. Or at least they should be good. Wilson Contreras can't hit a lick. He finally hit a home run last night. That was nice to see. Nolan Arenado looks lost to the plate again up until last night. Paul Goldschmidt, T-Bone, you said he hasn't had a home run or an RBI on a non-home run in like a month. Like I, I can't explain what's happening right now. None of it makes any sense. And I think nationally, a lot of people are befuddled by it. It's why Ben Verlander goes on a six minute tirade about what the Cardinals have lost in the Cardinal way and how it's gone now. Like I, I can't explain any of it. And yet I watch it every night and I see the same story developing over and over and over again. And so I, I don't know, man, I think Andy McCullough said it right. I think the Cardinals are talented. I think they're the best team in this division. And yet there's one problem. They just keep losing every single I mean, night. Man. Even Clayb said it yesterday on the opening drive. It's
3: going to be real difficult for this team to dig themselves out of the hole that they have dug up to this point. Even with 101 games remaining in the season, as John Mazalak put it. So there's no way, shape, or form that you can find any positives out of this like i'm sorry i have the pessimistic attitude but this is what the cardinals have given me every ch- every chance i get to where i say i'm back on board i said it before that dodger series i tried so hard to buy in that dodger series i said Sadly, it on air with I you guys did. i said if they win this series i'm back on board and then what did they do the next game blew it against cincinnati and yeah. since then we're talking about a team that can't win a series
2: I wonder how they'll lose tonight
3: although uh Oh, this tonight well, well, Tonight yet, seems then. like a past ball catcher situation. Um,
5: we haven't had a Wilson Contreras defensive problem no, lately. If I know this team at all. They win tonight. They win tonight. <laughs> It'll be a weird way to win. What I don't know how they're going to. Well, because they. No, like, this is
3: their getaway game.
5: They they do just enough to be like, oh, maybe. Maybe. Mate, mate, you know Jack has
2: been really good, right? Yeah,
5: that's why it's going to make no sense. Yeah, but you know Jack Flaherty's been really it's good, right? It's why I
2: think they're going to win. Recently.
5: Like yesterday, I knew they weren't going to beat that Dunning character. No chance.
2: Nobody in our audience Dane? had ever
5: heard of Dane Dunning before. They were definitely losing that game. No chance they were going to win.
2: Definitely that one. losing
5: tonight. Yeah, um, I don't see them. They're going zero six on this road trip. I, I think they're going to win tonight, and then they drop. Two they lose in two of three against Cincy. Yeah, that I think that's the way this goes. I think tonight. Trying to think of who the guy's going to be that is the hero today. Going up and Baker. Like, I could see like a... Ooh. Maybe Oscar Brendan Donovan has another big game. Another big game? Yeah, he, he, I mean, he he won the game for the... I, I can pinpoint the wins recently, so we can go back <laughs> 10 days ago to when they won 2-1 to one in 10 innings, and you remember exactly <laughs> what I'm talking about because there haven't been a whole lot of those. Um, Brendan Donovan hit the home run, stole third, and then uh, made it home on, I think it was a passed ball. That was a Brendan Donovan game. I think you could get one of those tonight.
2: Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Um, <laughs> I, uh, Sorry with my I pessimistic attitude I see attitude what's going to happen is, like, it's going to be a close game, and you're just waiting for that pin to drop, and what happens is, it's like, oh. it's a chopper to first, and Goldie makes an air tonight. can't believe I didn't think about this.
5: Kisner's going to be the hero tonight. El Capitan? Yeah. He's going to be the hero tonight. All right. I'll take it.
3: I don't see It'll that happening. It'll be a loop and a blast. Uh, oh, oh, you think he's going to hit a home run off of John
5: Gray?
2: Yeah. I mean, he's been like their best hitter since the last but month. Yeah.
5: I'm uh, I'm out on that one. I think Kisner. Kisner's the hero. I, I'm, I, text, like, a text line, you you deserve the praise for that one. Do you want to put, put I some money on this?
2: Like T-Bone did with Wayno you going think six? I am
5: going to put my hard-earned money on the St. Louis Cardinals.
2: It don't do it. I, I, I Hard-earned
5: uh, money. I <laughs> yeah. was
2: in Chicago the last couple days. And Man, I was I, gambling on the Cardinals, and, well, my wallet's empty now. We
3: were really hoping you were here on Monday because we thought we were going to get another 10 bucks out of you on Wayno going six.
2: Oh, no, I learned my lesson.
3: <laughs> yeah, no, that's not happening.
2: And so you've got a loss? Based on his interview yeah. today, oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't gamble on Wayno's golfing game either. You've got a Whoa. loss? Oh, yeah.
5: Yeah, it's a loss. We've got an intern in here. Brendan's with us. Brendan, do you think they win or lose tonight? You can talk into the mic, Brendan. I think they get a win. You think
3: they get a uh, win? Yeah, right, a he's the really optimist.
2: See, I, think, I appreciate you, right? I think they lose 2 or 3 in Cincy after they okay. take the dub the night. But, See? All right. I like I this guy. He cut his mic He cool. right, turned the mic off. <laughs> he's earned
0: of some, some more
5: opportunities. <laughs> Alex, he's coming for your job. Yeah, I know. The Jump Tour is coming up next year on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the BK and Ferrario podcast, presented by Dobb's Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Let's open it up. The Junk Drawer with BK and Ferrario. Brought to
0: you
4: by Fenton Bar and Grill. Best trashed wings in Missouri. Dine in. Carry out. Seven days a week.
5: Alex, I know you're somebody that condones... Fun. The use of violence when necessary, and no, I'm speaking specifically of punching people in the face if they deserve it. Uh, I go for the throat. Good target there. Right, right. BK? Are you specifically referencing me, or are you thinking of anybody else while doing that? No. no.
3: no. Bigger, okay. ca- bigger I, like target. To, I like
5: to picture... No and Adam's
3: Temple and just <laughs> aim right for it <laughs> about to get me fired on the air.
5: Um, <laughs> <laughs> the reason why is I that ask cl- is because close. I feel like if we were ever to see a video of Alex getting in a fight in a fight, T-Bone, the odds on favorite for location in which that took place is the grocery store. Like, I don't know what oh. else if we were doing family feud style of like what's on the board. I would say grocery store so is one. one. I'd say like Road Rage would be two probably.
3: Oh, that's a good one I was gonna say like a so, ballpark so, would be three. No, I do have bad road rage. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was say surprised like I'm not to the point where I like No, no, I dark I've I've followed somebody off of the highway before because they what? pissed me off. So yeah, <laughs> I guess road rage is there. Oh my god, um yeah. psychopath. Are you okay? Yeah. No, sometimes I'm not. <laughs> We know a park. Um, would a park be up there? Because you go park? to a park. Why yeah, would go... Alex be at a park? Uh, haven't you gone have to I a take park? The girls? Yeah, he takes the yeah. girls and the dogs. No, I'm actually pretty cool at the park with, no with the girls. Shot. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's pretty cool. Unless a kid like pushes my kid, yeah, then I, I don't know. get into a fight. Honestly. In the neighborhood would definitely be up there on the oh, That's where you're incorrect because I don't go into the neighborhood. I stay in my house. And right, that's but about somebody's
5: it. doing something outside that bothers Alex. Alex comes outside to say something to them. They start approaching Alex, and Alex says, "I have no no recourse other than to punch you in the face." Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, like a like a
3: concert or a sporting event, like in the in the w- pavilion, oh, the yeah, hallway, yeah. That's where where why, that's why hallway, I said a stadium. Yeah that that would probably be
5: over. In a car airport. on the road, a hundred percent airport. Mad I didn't think of that before. Large group group of people. I think when we Alex went to- is mad at his kids and he then pawns it off as him being mad at somebody else because to- they do something that just barely gets under
2: his Where skin. Where would a uh, Branson so we rank on this we list went, just whole silver hole. dollar city like yeah. an amusement? No, park.
3: silver yeah. dollar city is like Disney World, it's the happiest place on earth, uh huh. Especially when you got to drop hundreds of dollars just to get in, uh huh. Um, I, I don't. I don't think I've ever really gotten angry at an airport before.
5: I think if I were to go the top three, there's no chance that's true.
3: Yeah, but see, I don't I don't fly very often so that like I avoid that space because I know it pisses me off. Like other places I don't like grocery store would be number one because it pisses me off. I would say stadium stadium concert sporting event would be number two and then honestly i would probably put number three like you guys said in a car
5: or on the road the reason why i ask this alex is because a wild brawl has been caught on camera in australia with one participant making a strange move prior to joining in the footage was shot inside of a grocery store called woolsworth it took place in australia one woman prior to joining in on the fray handed her baby over to another person before punching another member of this group in the face
2: huh. well, I could see that being
5: enough. a move that Alex pulls. I don't know if I would
3: ever hand my baby to somebody.
5: He's, he's got one baby in one arm. The other child is in the grocery cart and Alex moves the grocery cart over, hands the baby to somebody else and then gets into the fray. Yeah.
2: I could totally see that I being I think an you're Alex that good group. a father that you would hand off the child to get your punch No, and I'm that good of a father back. to
3: where I would find a way to do it while holding the baby.
2: No. And protect no, the baby. No, that's not being a good father. That's a great Because father. then she's in the crosshair. She's
3: got to understand violence no. is okay.
2: No. <laughs> you know what? I take back my uh, statement of. Good father, I'm taking it back. Whoa! Turn back in the. I am a great, re- dad. Yeah. I great dad.
3: I am a great dad. Uh, Do you his
2: advice wear all the
5: time? He'll wear a hat every day. Why does
3: he say it today? Dad?
5: Because it's got some type of grease stain on it. I don't know where that freaking came from. So it was pine tar. I'm telling you. The other th- question that I wanted to ask is a follow up. Who on this station is most likely to get involved in that kind of a fight? Jamie I, I I actually disagree. Oh, i think me. anthony stolter is number one. Oh, uh, oh no i don't think so i think anthony's chiller than i am <laughs> we had somebody from the peanut gallery that suggested randy <laughs> i did not make that suggestion um, i want to make that very clear
3: i know see i i know i think i have more of an anger problem than randy i would say it's i, I would I say i have to I be I the top of the list <laughs> Yeah, You've the been only mad way Randy's before,
5: getting so has Randy. I think Randy's more. The only way that you. Randy
3: gets into that is if they're arguing about a sports stat with him. I get angry if you step in front of me when I'm trying to pick Have up. Well, I could
2: totally Not always about yeah, sports, but true, he gets I mad guess. at people. I, I, I could see Randy dropping gloves at the grocery store after someone you know questions him on a trivia thing. If I we could were totally a see big it.
5: board here together, like top four people most likely to get into a fight at a grocery store,
2: I still think Jamie's high up on that list.
5: I think I'm higher than Jamie
2: on that list Jamie is
3: way more calm than I am I think Rocky is higher than we're giving him credit for No way I think no way. Rock would just yell at you Yeah I think Rocky uh, would just okay. shout
5: Where he's actually talking to you I think Carrie would be willing to take care of business If necessary I
3: don't think anybody would even get close to forcing Carrie To take care of business yeah. because he's really intimidating Maybe so that's why it's the point. same with Jamie Maybe That's, that's a, yeah, why, yeah you're not
5: messing with Jamie I think Me my- I look like I'm meek So that's fine not just a look man it's kind of how we are as people (laughs) just speak for yourself Kylie I think I would go Stalter one I I agree with the suggestion that we were told off air Randy two I think I would go Jamie three carry four that would be my top top four Wow, that's impressive I thought I would have cracked the top three I think Alex is more talk than fight Uh, I don't think think Alex would actually fight at the grocery store. Who's more likely to do it, me or him? Honestly, I think Tanner. (laughs) Yeah. I
3: I think Tanner is more likely. You guys haven't seen me at uh, Costco.
5: (laughs) Somebody said BTS blackout rage. Fair. I think he cares too much about his public persona to do this. B- BT-, bt is too kind. He's got the kids to worry about. He's on the the Redbird show. And can I be
2: honest? I've never, I've never seen bt angry.
5: Oh, I've seen bt angry.
2: <laughs> well, I've never made him angry.
5: Ask him about what comes next. You know, talk about kicking puppies.
2: and well, stuff. Well, yeah. Well, we all yeah, have our bad moments. Trust I, I, me, I've been there. I don't poke the bear. Okay, I, I, I haven't brought that up, but I've never seen bt angry.
5: Somebody said the least likely to do this is Marsh. Hundred oh, yeah. Mar- percent. Marsh, Marsh is, is at the bottom of this list. Marsh is never Marsh doing and that, um, Tim. Tim's pretty low on this list yeah. as well. See, I would J- put- Jackson might be oh, yeah. lower than Tim on this list. I think Carrie yeah, would be bottom. low on that list. I don't really. Carrie
3: really? would get into
5: it. Yeah, I think Carrie's a, think a really nice guy. Carrie's chill. Fight. Oh, agreed. Carrie's the nicest guy you'll ever yeah. meet until he's, he not, but no until, until he's not. Until he's ever gonna step angry. over
3: that boundary on Carrie. Oh, Other I- people, he would. I don't see people doing that with Carrie. I don't know, man. I, I just, I don't think that would happen.
5: I. I think people I think it would be really dumb for people to do that. Yeah, I think there are some people that are really dumb.
3: Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Like people that think I
5: wouldn't do anything coming up in about 15 minutes. or so. There's a big story in the world of soccer that I want to get to. We'll get into that and how it potentially impacts St. Louis City SC. We'll do that coming up in about 15 minutes or so. But coming up next, guys, the Cardinals have run out of internal options. And I think John Mosellock even is ready to admit that. We'll talk about it next year on 101 ESPN.
1: We're right back to the PK and Ferrario podcast presented by Dobbs tire and auto centers on one Oh one ESPN.
5: With Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. So sometimes we are early in the season and we say, Oh, you know, the, the Cardinals might not have the answers on the current roster, but Look down to AAA. There's probably somebody that's outperforming expectations down there, and you could just pluck them up, and maybe that ends up you you catch lightning in a bottle, right? I think they've run out of lightning in a bottle ideas. I think that's where we're at with the Cardinals right now. John Moselock was asked about the Cardinals situation right now and whether or not there are external answers to their questions. Here's what he told Katie Wu of The Athletic. Quote, When you think about starting pitching, do I feel like our starting pitching is trending in the right direction? I believe that it is. Do I think that we can go out and find starting pitchers to help us right now? No. Those types of markets have not been fully developed yet. And from an organizational standpoint, it's not a popular answer. But we have to figure this out from within. Guys, the Cardinals don't have external answers to their questions right now. They can't go out and trade for outfielder X or starting pitcher Y or reliever Z there are no answers out there not for them right now now a month from today around the 4th of July maybe we could start talking about that but teams don't trade this early in the season very often and when they do it's a very rare case like the Willie Adamas trade where they have Wander Franco coming up to the big leagues and suddenly they need a spot for him and Willie Adamas is on the move to Milwaukee because of that I don't foresee one of those kinds of moves coming in the immediacy. And this gets back to the question that we were talking about earlier, which is, okay, if you're not going to trade, if you don't have guys down in AAA that are outperforming expectations other than little poppy, your boy, Moises Gomez, another home run yesterday, who is very clearly not a part of their plans. This is on the current 26 man roster. If the Cardinals are going to get this thing back on track, and I think we're all on the side of they're probably not going to at this point. It's going to take every single one of those guys inside of that clubhouse making a decision today. It ends now. Today is the day that things get back on track. Today is the day that these guys inside of this clubhouse take it upon themselves to make sure that what we have seen for the first 62 games was the outlier, and now what we see for the final 100-game stretch is the real version of the Cardinals. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's got to be what happens if they're going to be able to get this thing back on track. I don't think
3: it's going to happen either because, like, To act like losing to the Texas Rangers last night is rock bottom is just ridiculous. I mean, you were just swept by Pittsburgh. You were nearly no-hit-perfect game by the Kansas City Royals. Mike Myers pretty good. Mike Myers, well, yeah, he sliced through that lineup. Here's the problem. Like, you've had multiple rock bottoms this season, and not once have I seen the Cardinals say... Believe it. No more. This is not going to happen. Same thing with the Blues. I thought after that Arizona Coyotes loss, it was, this is never going to happen to us again. You know what they did? They laid a dud the next game. That's why it's so hard to believe. And now that we're tying this team's turnaround to two outfielders, three outfielders getting healthier. Great. If that's your your next answer to the problem, well, you're going to find that out sooner rather than later that that's not the solution. The problem is you're going to be too far deep into it when you make that final call that these guys weren't the answer and you're right they don't have anything in the minors as much as i love little poppy he's not coming up here hitting five run home runs every game for you to put you back into these games and
2: and not only are you past there's no internal options There's no more like rah-rah speeches that can be given in that clubhouse because they've already had that moment. And
3: it's what Joey says all the time on the broadcast when I talk with him about that, of like, does somebody have to find a way to instill some energy? And he said, you can try, but everybody can read through your BS. When you try and instill energy to a group that has lost all hope, everybody's reading through your BS. And you can't fake that. And that's the Cardinals' problem right now. Wilson Contreras can try and start a fight in the middle of a game, you can't read through that BS. Ali Marmal can try and hype everybody up on a Jordan Walker home run. You can't, you can't fake
5: that. Yeah. Somebody, somebody the other day said they need to get into a fight. Cause that's not going to do it. They, they've tried just about everything. Like, They had Arts and Crafts Day with Adam Wainwright showing them a bunch of pictures on how they've had bad Junes in the past, they've had had bad months, and and now it's it's time for them to get things back on track. Every year they've got something like what they had in the first month of the season, and they find a way to overcome it. Maybe they need some salsa. I I don't think it was about that. I think it was about this team... (laughs) (laughs) You like? That? <laughs> didn't we that poorly? Solid. Didn't that end really poorly for Matt no, Carpenter it the with salsa the thing? salsa? Oh, and then it, it was like hot oh, for a while. Yeah, and it it yeah, got spicy right and then it kind of miled it out. I did want to address a text that we got three one four three nine 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 six four six to your Comfort Service X line. This comes from the two one seven. I've seen a lot of this, and so I want to make sure that we discuss it today. How much do you think Nolan Arenado is regretting his decision not to opt out at this point? Guys, Nolan Arenado right now can take a look in the mirror if he wants to be upset at something. Nolan Arenado hasn't played well for this team in 2020, and I give him credit—he has called himself out multiple times. He's taken full accountability for it, and so like nobody's more frustrated, I promise you, than Nolan Arenado at his performance this year. But one of the biggest issues for the Cardinals right now is that Nolan Arenado hasn't played up to Nolan Arenado's capabilities, and until that changes. We're going to keep talking about the same things. Like, if we're being totally honest, the answers for the Cardinals are pretty simple. The answers for the Cardinals are Nolan Arenado starts hitting the way that we know he's capable of. Wilson Contreras starts hitting the way that we know he's capable of instead of having an on-base percentage below 300 and a slugging percentage below 400. And at least one of Dylan Carlson or Tyler O'Neal gets healthy and starts hitting. If those three things happen, the Cardinals are going to be fine. The problem is I am leaking confidence of any of those three things taking place anytime in the immediate future. There is nothing about what we've seen from either of those two outfielders that I mentioned or Wilson Contreras or Nolan Arenado, that suggests to me this is going to get back on track and it's going to be so consistently for the rest of the season.
3: And this is the problem. This was my concern, too, and why I've said it before. Like, it seems like everybody's looking to Nolan Arenado to fix this on the team. You can't rely on one person to change the outcome of your season. And but, it seems like everybody's
5: wanting Nolan Noronado to get going. But I'm not expecting him to change everything. I'm expecting him to perform like 25 to 30% above league average, which has been where he's been at in previous seasons. And he's not doing that this year. Like to, even defensively, Alex, you mentioned this earlier. I don't think he's been as good defensively this year as he was last year. I don't think he's been the problem, but I don't think he's been at nearly as good. Like Think about the spectacular plays that we saw from start to finish last year. I think we've seen like two or three of those so far this season. We're 62 games into the year from him. And we have seen like a decent. He has some of those plays where you're like, man, uh," he's going to try to make something spectacular happen. And therefore you live with the results. And sometimes it ends up in an error. I'm more than happy to deal with that because he makes so many great plays defensively. But there have been a few of those that continued this year without as many of the spectacular. And you look at some of the other stuff like Wilson Contreras. I'm not expecting him to come out and be a world beater. I don't think he needs to change the lineup exclusively, but him batting 215 and not hitting for as much power as anybody expected him to, yeah, that's part of the problem for the St. Louis Cardinals in 2023. And then their entire outfield basically being a big old zero, that's a big part of the problem for them. So I'm I'm not putting it all on Nolan Arenado. I'm not putting it all on Wilson Contreras. I'm not putting it all on the outfields, but those are the three areas where they were expecting out, uh, offense from that they're getting very little from right now. And really all season have been getting very little from that's where the inconsistency takes place, because when those guys are struggling and then Goldie goes through like a one week spell of not hitting, well, then you feel Goldie's spell or Nolan Gorman goes through a one week spell where he hasn't been the best hitter in the world. You can feel it. And you're like, whoa, did Nolan Gorman go cold? Are we about to have the other shoe drop? That's the problem. Having three or four of these guys in a lineup that can consistently maintain their level and then everybody else, the ancillary pieces, kind of come up and down and up and down, that's when you have a consistent everyday lineup. Right now, Nolan Arenado and Contreras not being those guys has led to their inconsistency.
3: This is why we go back to the conversation we had on Monday, BK, of I I do believe this season is showing more and more that it might be time for the Cardinals to take a massive step back and take a look at everything and figure out what is going on right now because as much as I want to see them trade for a Shane Bieber or something like that, I don't think that corrects this team in this season. I, I, there's there's more underlying issues with this roster in terms of clubhouse than we're than we're actually hearing about and it might be time for the Cardinals to say okay, Let's figure out what the underlying issues are
5: before we continue to move this forward. And this is where I I do go back to the is it the chicken or the egg thing? I I think early on, they were a little bit unlucky. And I know people hear that. I I promise you, I'm not explaining everything away by luck that they have been a bad team now for the last month. I think early this season, there was just weird stuff that was happening that like balls were dropping into play that maybe wouldn't, wouldn't typically be hits. And over the course of 162, that does tend to work itself out. The problem is because they got into those losing ways. They just kind of assumed that this was going to continue. And then you fell to 10 and 24, And guys were like, oh, believe this is just who we are at this point. And then you get to what you're talking about, Alex, where the heads dip, kind of like what we saw with the blue season. And you just you revert back to, oh, we're doing this again. This is what's happening again. And they did have that like two week stretch where they played really well. I think they exhausted themselves mentally, physically with that. And then they fell back into the same old thing that they had early on in the season. And they can't find a way to get themselves out. And you've made the comparison to the blue season a lot. This is, I think, the most similar part of the season. And Doug Armstrong mentioned this right after the trade deadline when we talked to him. He said, good teams don't go through the valleys that we did this year for the length of time that they did. And that's the problem with the Cardinals. The Cardinals for the first 34 games of the season were 10 and 24. They couldn't get out of it. It wasn't just that they were bad. It was that they lost a bunch of one run games that should have gone in their direction in that. And that stuff starts to stack up upon itself. And now we're doing it again where in their last 12 games, they're 3-9, and and they can't seem to get out of their own way. And so instead of having like a 6-6 and type of a trip, which is absolutely in the realm of the possible based on how many one-loss games they've had recently as well, now you feel like you're just completely underwater, and and we're barely into the month of June. If there is a trade that needs to
3: take place as much as you want, you, you might need to make the move that they made when they got John Lackey in terms of bringing in somebody who's got a little bit of sandpaper to them on the pitching side of things and getting rid of somebody that you really don't want to take out Just of your lineup. Just change the feel. You got to change that locker room
5: chemistry right now. And I don't know how to do it. I don't know who it is, but that's what you're looking for. Yeah, totally agree with you on that. Coming up next, I want to talk about the biggest story in the world of sports right now. One of the best soccer players ever is apparently coming stateside. We'll talk about it here on 101 ESPN. One of the best soccer players in the world might be heading over to the MLS alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson. I'm Brandon Kylie. It's BK and Ferrario here on 101 ESPN. We've got the best hockey or hockey. We do have the best hockey analysts in the country on this show with Alex Ferrario. We also have the best soccer analyst on the station on our show in Tanner Hendrickson. T-Bone, what does it mean that Inter-Miami is apparently the front runner right now to sign Lionel Messi?
2: This is huge for the game of soccer in the U.S. because he is the best player in the world, even at the age of 35. And the fact of the matter that he would come to the MLS, even though it's in the back end of his career, it's a huge gain for the MLS because the MLS is missing some serious star power. Because a lot of people that are just general fans, and even me, who's a big fan and love watching City SC play, which they play again tonight you don't really know a lot of guys across the major league soccer. It's not like in baseball where we can look at like, um, I'm trying to think of a, a smaller market team, like, like Miami, the Miami Marlins, for example, you can look at them and you can go, all right, I don't watch a lot of Marlins games, but I know Sandy Alcantara. I know jazz Chisholm. I know, like, nobody else across Major League Soccer. And and that's, is that partially on me? Yes, but it's also on the fact of the lack of star power across the sport as a whole. You really need international stars. Yeah.
5: Like, you need guys that in the World Cup or in in those international friendlies. Like, those are the guys that are starring in them because that's where they get a lot of their exposure And you need them to be part of your teams that are existing currently in MLS. And
2: now that you're going to be getting that with Lionel Messi is huge for the MLS because they've always been a league that's known to get some of the top players towards the back end of their career, like uh, Ibrahimović when he went to the L.A. uh, Galaxy, and now he's back over in Italy, I believe, playing for AC Milan. Like They've been able to get some of the big names, but they've never been able to get to the crop of what Lionel Messi is. And now that he's potentially coming here stateside, that is such a big win for Major League Soccer. And the first step of them starting to, they've always talked about it, we want to get to be one of those leagues that's known as a powerhouse. Well, being able to get Lionel Messi, even though it's back end of his career, this is a helpful step to get to that point, and it'll be awesome to see him playing here in the States. Do
5: you think it changes things tangibly? Because I guess that would be my follow-up question, like, Okay, Messi is playing for one team. That changes things for Miami. Like, there will be people that are buying tomorrow if this ends up happening. The season pass on Apple TV because they just want to watch Messi. They just want to see what this looks like while he's playing for Miami. And so there will be a bunch of people that tune in to his games. We also don't know when he will specifically start playing for them. I've seen some people say as soon as July. I've seen others say he won't play for them at any point this season. We'll see. We'll see what that looks like. But... If he were to come over, does that change things for the league, or does that change things for Miami?
2: I think it just changes things for Miami. I, I think it. I think the MLS is still steps away from having the ability to bring in l- legitimate superstars. They get them every now and then, but it's not to the point where it's like, hey, the MLS is one of the top leagues across the world, and, and that's where you got to be. And, and if if they're going to get to that point. It can't just be one team adds a superstar player like Lionel Messi. And we were talking about this off air. Well, how do you get to that point? You probably got develop superstars internally. Like for example, uh, Christian Pulisic, who played great for Team USA in the World Cup recently. He That's was what Miggy's for. He was going to be yeah, that guy. Miggy, if City sees Miggy becomes that guy, he's developed Not internally. If. When he becomes that Thank guy. You. Sorry, uh, when Miggy becomes that guy, you hold on to him and he develops and plays in the MLS for the majority of his career. And the MLS really hasn't had those guys; they've always been getting the guys in the later stages of their career. And I think that's when you that's when you start to take that next step. But I'm not trying to downgrade what the Lionel Messi addition is to the MLS. But it's not to that massive step. It's it's a step, it's just not as big as like I think a lot of people want it to Tanner's be. Tanner's basically
5: doing what people did when the Cardinals signed or traded for Paul Goldschmidt, where they said, Okay, this is great, now what? Yeah. because the cardinals lineup was not good enough with just Paul Goldschmidt which they basically admitted the next year when they added Nolan Arenado but that that's essentially what this step is for for MLS we did get this text 3143999646 is the air comfort service text line from the 636 guys this opens up the opportunity for other great stars to eventually come to MLS as well there is some truth to that, but I mean we've seen this before. Like we saw this with David Beckham. We saw this with Zlatan. We've now seen this potentially with Messi. Like we've seen stars come over to MLS, but it's typically one at a time. It's one at a time where that is the quote unquote face that comes over the face in the name that comes over to MLS. I also I was listening to the opening drive, T Bone, I don't know how if you know much about these, these details with Messi, but Rakia was mentioning how there's potentially some contract details that are going to be of note here where he gets a portion of like the apple tv subscriptions and he gets a portion of the merchandise sales through adidas as well i don't know how many of those you're able to make in terms of deals with stars that are coming over to mls Uh, eventually you start taking siphoning off too much of the percentage of the revenues and now you're it actually ends up hindering the league to have these guys as opposed to continuing to boost it. So I, I I agree in theory that this could open up more opportunities, but the money that is necessary to obtain these guys, it becomes very difficult to be able to do this multiple times in a row.
2: And I also think like, there's probably only three, four players in the world that you're willing to do that for. Fair. Like, like even like a really good player. I, I can't even think of someone off the top of my head, but say a great player over in England in his prime, you wouldn't just give that to them. You're giving this to like generation type players, like Ronaldo, Ronaldo, Messi, level. Messi gotcha. Neymar, Uh, those are the guys that you would do that for. I I don't think you would be doing that for, like, even when Ibrahimović came over. I don't even think Ibrahimović falls into that category, because though he was a great player, he was never always viewed as the best player in in, in, uh, soccer in the world. Messi's been that guy he's been the face of soccer no matter where you are no matter where he's playing same with Ronaldo uh same with Neymar uh so I, I just think there's only a handful of those guys Mbappe that was the other name I was thinking Mbappe would probably fall into that conversation so there's only a few of those guys that would actually fall into that category
5: Alex would you want to, would you want City to be involved in like obviously Messi this there's only one team that's going to be involved in this and I think a lot of that is because Beckham is the owner of the team so there's yeah. there's a tie in there um and it's a a great soccer city. Would you want City to be involved in stuff like this? Like If there was another star, not at the level of Messi, but coming over from from Europe soon, would you you want them to be involved in these negotiations? It
3: creates excitement. It creates excitement for your team, one, for the fan base there, and two, for outside people that are learning the game and watching the game. They focus on your team. So yeah, if there's any type of star power, you want your team to be involved with it. Now, maybe it affects the play on the field maybe it
5: affects the team chemistry like we've talked about before that's one of the biggest reasons why I ask is just because like you look at the way that city plays it is a very specific style and i I do sometimes wonder how you would implement a star into that In style city, I think I guess that it matters for a starting team though like a team that, that is I think it matters because they're winning if they weren't winning i actually think it would make more sense to go out there and get a star potentially to just build some excitement like i think that's part of why miami's doing this They're they're 5-11 on the season. They're not a very good team. Um, but City's winning. City's a, a good program right now. And if you add in somebody to the mix that doesn't play necessarily that same style, doesn't buy into what they're doing, you can rot that thing from within because of how that style of play is and if one person doesn't buy in it can ruin everything that you're trying to accomplish
2: yeah and, and Firmino's that guy that's the guy that's connected to city. That's the city he's, yeah. he's the european player that we're basically talking about right here i i think you would have to bring him in because he would bring in excitement and honestly if he doesn't like the system and doesn't buy into it guys soccer coaches get fired all the time and change over and i'm not hinting sure. at, i'm not saying they should fire carnell because i think carnell's a hell of a coach but i think carnell would adjust and go Okay, we've got Firmino who's probably like one of the top 5 players in the league right now and he's still he's in the back end of his prime. We just got one of the best players into the MLS. We'll adjust around him rather than having him adjust to us. And I think that's how City would go about it and that that's why I think they should absolutely be in. I don't think Firmino's going to come here. I hate to be the spoiler of bad news, but I If they can do it, they should absolutely be willing to do it and should adjust to him rather than him adjusting to them. This
5: comes from the 636. BK, what a ridiculous question. Would we want a European soccer star on our team? Of course we would. Yeah, for sure. Why would anyone possibly not want that? I think it just depends on what you're looking for. Yeah, idiot. Fair. (laughs) I understand that. That is a totally reasonable response to the question that I had. Hey, you want Messi? No, I don't want Messi on my soccer team. Of course you do. The reason why I ask is just because, like, I think there's different ways to look at this. Do you want to be a team that is like exclusively working towards winning with the culture and everything as city has been talking about? That's like one of their main goals is to build the culture of the program first, or do you want to serve another means, which is the advertising arm of it, the revenue side of things. And yeah, hopefully that also plays into the winning. If you got messy, of course, that's a different level. Like, yeah, he's, he's going to help you win a lot. Um, but I do think there's other less than stars but just like really good players that could come over from europe that they could potentially be interested in and that would potentially change the way that they play and i would be curious to see how that would impact things coming up in about 15 minutes we'll hit the bk and ferrario rewind but next chris kerber the voice of the blues here on 101 espn
1: we're right back to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn
5: ferrario and tanner hendrickson i'm brandon Kylie. it's bk and ferrario here on 101 espn right now we are happy to go out to the 101 espn hotline to be joined by the voice of the blues he's chris kerber joining us here on the show curbs we appreciate the time as always man how you doing today? BK, I'm doing fine. How are you? Uh, doing all right. So I got to ask you, Curbs, about the, the news that is being reported uh, around the NHL by Jeremy Rutherford, among many others. Uh, Darren Pang is expected to be returning back to Chicago at some point. I don't know if you can specifically comment on this, Curbs, but from your experience working with Darren Pang over the years, the guy is basically synonymous with blues hockey for uh, especially people in Tanner's gym generation in terms of blues fans. Uh what was it what has it been like to work with Darren Pang? What stands out to you about what he's been as a color analyst for the St. Louis Blues over the years? Well
4: listen, I've had the I've had the privilege and and I when I say privilege, I I'm not using that word lightly in this case. A truly privilege of having been able to travel and be around and work alongside Panger for the last fourteen years. And he has done a couple of games with us. Obviously I did the one television game earlier this year with him. Uh, he's John Kelly's partner on the TV side, but he's our friend and coworker and everything else. And the number of conversations that we have had over the years when it comes to, um, man, just, just the business, the game, how to call the game, how to work the number of times I've, Asked him to listen to a call and say, "Man, how could I have done this better?" He's made me a better play-by-play guy on the radio side through those conversations. Joe Vitale sitting next to him, Panger or a Chaser, all those years sitting next to him, uh, just such a such a huge part of our family. And 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 you know, he's he's so much more than just someone we've worked with. He's he's he, he's a I mean, he's such a, a close friend. But I, I Brandon, there, there's. The thing that Panger does that, in my opinion, is second to none. The the man's work ethic is amazing. Right? and and I'll give you I'll give you a great example. And I'm going to compare this to to what I saw last night. I'm watching the Cardinal game last night, right? And at one point, Jim Edmonds says, "When Stephen Mass is out on the field, Jim Edmonds says, he goes, know, yeah, I kind of wonder what it's like.' You know, you're a starting pitcher, then you go out there, and now you're just pitching like you know, 26 pitches a week." And I'm sitting here thinking, well, as an analyst, your job is to go find that out. Right. And Panger did that. He never asked a question like that. He he always brought information and, and he just second and not, he, he, he absolutely, I mean to, to go from a hall of fame player in Bernie doing it to a guy that's a hall of fame broadcaster, in my mind and Panger, uh, blues fans have been in, in such great hands on the TV side there that, uh, um, he's going to be—he's—he's going to be tremendously missed, but he's going to be missed more, in my opinion, just as a friend and a person to be around, than than what he did on the air because he was just that good. So, yeah, when we found out that news, uh, and, and he called us and and, and told us, uh, and obviously it's breaking now, but it's—it was a—it uh, was—it was a tough couple days because you're going to miss your friend uh, hanging out with, you know, a, a little bit. I guess I guess you kind of like. We're kind of like Red and Shawshank there. You know, when Andy snuck out, we are like, man, I miss my friend. And I think that's the way we're going to be with Bagger.
3: Curbs, for the first time, I actually understood a movie or television reference that you've used. t didn't, though. t really didn't get unfortunate it. Yeah, one. I, was, I told uh, him the other lost. day, he's
5: got to watch Shawshank. And he said, ah, there's so many movies that I got to watch. I said, yeah, but this is like the, the movie that you have to watch.
4: Yeah, yeah, you got to watch that one. Well, he has a
5: dodgeball, too. i put...
4: convinced my daughters to watch it. My oldest, I'm like, hey, it's about time. Watch Dead Poets Society. That's a fantastic that's, one, too. That's, to that's my Cena? kick at home is to get them to watch that one. Nah,
3: Dead Poet Society, Shawshank, and Dodgeball, the three movies that I would say probably you have to watch, and I'd comp them all in terms of directing and acting and production work. It's all Water been the World, same. that's up there No, not <laughs> Waterworld. That, that was a terrible <laughs> oh my movie. God. Terrible oh, movie. Was I
5: disagree. Awful. Ah, see? Curbs nose. Waterworld was awful. Uh, bad movie. Gets a little bit too much flack because it was an expensive movie. No. Stupid from start to finish. I mean, a b- bad movie, but not an all-time bad movie. Just a flop because it was so expensive.
3: Well, and Curbs does that take. Cur- curbs also has bad takes because he likes Star Wars, so one or the other in the whoa, whoa, oh, careful. Whoa, hey, Hey, That was Alex Ferrario
5: who said that. I'm not dealing with the hey, Star hey. Wars nerds no, today. Man. I have not no idea. Like like I have I have no idea. Like 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 Ferrario, you get like
4: you, you get these issues sometimes and and like I don't know what kind of math you learned at school, but I don't know how you get two plus two always equal in five or six, well, wow. you know, but uh no listen i got I got great movie taste and stuff like that, and uh <laughs> you know like so um uh, yeah.
3: Move on, Alex. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I did math yesterday on the air curves and I won't I won't go back to that one more. Uh on the on the hockey side curves, we did see the first trade of this offseason take place yesterday with Philly trading Provorov to Columbus and LA offloading that Cal Peterson contract. I am curious your thoughts now that Cal Peterson, they were able to move that five million dollars, and it was a player that lost his job midseason could we see more of that this off season curbs and could that benefit the blues of maybe being able to offload a contract this upcoming off season?
4: Yeah, I, I think that's, that's going to be possible depending on, on the team you do. You know, you look at the scenario where, um, you're the Philadelphia flyers. I mean, Sandstrom was, was your extra goaltender behind Carter Hart. Who knows what they're going to do with Carter Hart. Who was only 24 years of age. Right. You know, but, if, if you're Danny Briere and they're working on a, a situation where he goes, this is going to take a little while. He knows that he's in a good goalie situation two years from now. So he was able to kind of help make that deal and get some important draft picks in the process. The LA Kings, they were able to use cap space in order to sign the Gavrikov to a two year deal, which they announced today. And then of course, you know, the, the blue jackets in that mix too. So I, I just, and, and they get a, a good defenseman the, the, that they hope is going to help them out there. So, what I think you're really going to be seeing, though, is you're seeing you're seeing the, the cap-strapped era of teams having to involve a third team in deals now just to get cap deals done, and that's going to be one of the things. So, yeah, I can easily see the Blues making many different kinds of moves like this, to be honest with you. It's just to whom, and are you going to involve a third team because they'll have to take on some – some cap space. And, and if that is the case, what is the extra cost? What's that extra tax, that extra freight in terms of a draft pick here, a low prospect there who who knows, but um, I I think it's a good sign that, uh, you know, you start to see some teams doing it and it it, boy just backs up everything. Doug Armstrong said, didn't it? Like, I mean, teams just teams can't stand still. You missed the playoffs. Army's not going to stand still. You're not going to miss the playoffs and come back with the same exact team you had you know, I mean, look, the blues missed the playoffs by one point in 18 and look at the changes they made in the summer going into 1819. Uh, so I think it's a very good sign. The timing of it is what's going to be important now, guys, because if you are going to need another team to take on some cap space, if there's enough, you might have to make a deal sooner than later. So that team doesn't end up using that cap space, say for somebody else, but All those kind of things are
5: on the table. Chris, one final question that I've got for you. Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues, joining us here on 101 ESPN. Yesterday I was listening to the Fastland. They were going through their uh, sports six-pack, and somebody asked about Travis Konechny in relation to the Philadelphia Flyers, if they end up continuing uh, to sell off some of their pieces. Konechny's going to be 26 years old, so he does fit that age range that uh, we've heard from Doug Armstrong. He's making $5.5 million this upcoming year and then has one year remaining on his deal after that he's a winger so he doesn't necessarily fit the criteria of being a center but scored 30 goals last year has been a very productive player in his career for philadelphia is that the profile of player that you think could make sense for the blues if they decided to go the trade route this offseason to add to their forward group
4: yeah i had i had to actually think that it, it, it is uh bk because like you said one he fits he fits the profile doug was very open about about the age uh, he has one more year of term on, on his contract. Then he's a UFA. Now you're probably willing to give up a little bit more. If a guy's UFA status comes at age 28 or 29. So maybe there were a couple more years to sure. it. But if again, that's looking at the, the conversation that that the two general managers in this case would have had if you have, if you play that one out is, is if you're, if you're Briere and, and army and you're talking, you're saying, okay, how does connect me fit in your future plans? Do you think you're going to resign him at 28 years of age, or will he want to test the free agent market? If you are in another three, four year rebuild, okay. Can you get a younger player and some better value for connect me now than later? But yeah, to me, because of say, the situation the flyers are in and because of, you know, what army is looking for, that's the kind of player that at least from a discussion standpoint is probably right in the wheelhouse where you start to figure it out, because we, we saw Doug it we saw Doug extend Braden Shen, we saw what they did with the trade with uh, with with Pavel Butsnavic, and as you, you're right, Connect needs a winger. But the reality of it is, is that they think Butsnavic could adjust a the center. They might consider themselves fine in that center spot up and down the middle. So, um, yep, I, I think you're starting. You know, you're you're looking in the right area, at least the right type of player for those sure. discussions.
5: Curves, appreciate the time as always, man. Thanks so much for hopping on with us today, and we'll talk with you again next week. All right, Alex, may the force be with you. It's Chris Gerwig. Live long and prosper, Curbs, voice of the blues and yep. Star Wars nerd here on 101 ESPN. I always appreciate his time. Uh, Alex, the one question that I would have about a move like that, and, and Jamie mentioned this as well, is just the money. It's five and a half million dollars each of the next two years. If you were making a move like that, my assumption would be you'd have to send uh, probably like a Marco Scandela in the deal. Mm-hmm. And Scandella does have a modified no trade clause. We don't know if he'd be willing to go to Philadelphia, which is obviously not a great situation or not not if he would be you'd probably have to attach assets in that kind of a deal to get him uh to philadelphia and that doesn't typically seem like something that doug armstrong is willing to do to kind of attach an asset to a negative asset in in terms of marco scandela so i don't know if specifically that's the guy but when i heard it talked about yesterday on the fast lane i I figured we'd at least have to discuss it a little bit with curbs because he He's a productive player that kind of fits into the criteria that they've laid out. And as much as
3: I like Travis Konechny, because people have brought his names up in the past, I would rather get somebody with a different profile than Konechny in terms of a bigger, you got a lot a of, more physicality. You got a lot of smaller guys on this roster. I think you need, especially from what Craig Berube talked about last off, or last season with the issues, you need more guys that will go to the front of the net. And I don't know if I want another five foot 5'11", foot guy that doesn't go to the front of the net rather than finding me a six foot three player that's willing to go to the front of the net
5: coming up next we'll hit the rewind here on 101 espn we're right back to the bk and ferrario podcast presented by
1: Dobbs tire and auto centers on 101 espn let's run it back with a daily rewind on bk and ferrario brought to you by stewart's american mortgage google the bagel loan featuring zero fees and
5: zero closing costs This year's Big League Impact for Swinging for Impact. It's the event that was taking place on Sunday at Top Golf with Adam Wainwright. Also, thanks to Scott Lee Heating Company for helping to sponsor this year's event. Even though that one is already sold out, there are so many opportunities to help support Big League Impact, including the upcoming Cardinals London Watch Party that's taking place on Saturday, June 24th at Patio's. It's hosted by the opening drive. You can check out all of the details at 101ESPN.com. Alongside Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon. And Kylie, if you've missed anything from today's show, be sure to check it out on the podcast page, 101ESPN.com, and the free 101 ESPN app is where you go to find it. Guys, let's finish today by kind of projecting tonight's game. I think the Cardinals are winning this one. I don't – like – The reason, no, 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 no. it's not because of that. I think they're going to lose two of the next three against Cincinnati, and I think they're going to end up being a seller. There's a great piece, by the way, we'll talk about it a little bit tomorrow from Ben Fredrickson that just dropped over on the St. Louis Post-Dispatch where he said, hey, I think they should rethink the idea of being a seller. I not only think that the Cardinals should rethink it, I think they should think about doing it sooner rather than later. Because the stuff that they're actually going to be able to sell is pitching. And you can get more for pitching if you do it early than you will if you do it later on. But that'll be a conversation for tomorrow. How do you feel about Jack Flaherty going into tonight, Alex? I feel like this is a big start for him. Whether it's for the Cardinals or for his value as a trade candidate. This feels like a big one because he's going up against a high-quality offense. And recently, the offenses that he has seen Chicago, Milwaukee, the Dodgers. That's a pretty good one, but not a great one. Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I want to see him do it against a good one. Yeah, it's it's absolutely a big one for him, but
3: I feel like I'm saying that with Jack Flaherty every start the rest of the season because with him, and it's not fair to him because he's looked good for, what is it, five straight starts now? Every start, I'm waiting for the blow-up from him because I just don't trust that Jack Flaherty is back. I know Tanner's over here saying he is bleeping back, ladies and gentlemen. It's not. I don't trust it. I'm waiting for the blow-up. The same can be said what I was waiting for Miles Michaelis, and he's proven me wrong. But yeah, this would probably, if there was going to be a blow-up start for Jack Flaherty, it's this one. And I would imagine if there were other teams wondering if the Cardinals are trading him this season, this is going to be the one where if he goes out and pitches well, general managers get on the phone and say, hey, are you thinking about it? And honestly, if I'm Mo, if he pitches well... I'm going to start answering phone calls.
2: Yeah, that, that's why I want this to be a big start for Jack Flaherty. Maybe it's because then you've potentially got an ace if he looks really good because it would be five starts in a row, but more so because I think they're trending towards selling. His value skyrockets because there are not, there may not be a lot of big names on the market. He might be the best one. He, yeah, he could potentially honestly. be the best one. And if not, I mean, there's a chance he could be like the – second or third best one behind maybe this year's Beard tyler malley where you get something of significance
5: in return yeah. for that
2: so i i think that this is such a big start for him because it is against a good offense and as you said three of his last four haven't been against great offenses and the one that was a decent one the dodgers he only went uh four and a third four and two thirds and gave up three earned runs he shoves tonight goes five six innings looks really good has like five six strikeouts I mean, there's going to be people are going to have some serious interest in Jack Flaherty once again, because that's five starts in a row. And he looks maybe not like the old Jack Flaherty because he doesn't have that much swing and miss stuff, but he looks closer to him. And that's someone worth taking a gamble on if you're a contending team.
5: For Alex Ferrario and Tanner Hendrickson, I'm Brandon Kylie. Huge shout out to the MVP of today's show, Brendan, intern Brendan as well. We'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. The Fastlane's got you guys covered from 2 to 6. Can't wait to hear what they have to say about all of this sunshine and the lollipop cardinals here on 101 <laughs> ESPN.